This is Jocko Podcast number 309 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. Also joining us tonight, J.P. Donnell. Good evening, J.P. Good evening. So I got very lucky in my career, very lucky in my career, and was able to learn a lot from being in the military. And a lot of what the military taught me, I was able to learn because I was able to teach. I was, you get put in positions in the military where you're teaching, which is an awesome way to learn. And it starts, in the SEAL team starts really young. My, the first time you go overseas, you're gonna be teaching. You're gonna be teaching some host nation personnel, marksmanship or map and compass or whatever. And so you're just kind of learning how to teach. But then where I really realized the power of teaching and learning at the same time was when I was in training cell at SEAL Team 1, when I got into training cell at SEAL Team 1. So I had done three deployments, three workups, three deployments, and I went to training cell at SEAL Team 1. And when I, when I got to training cell at SEAL Team 1, I was single, no kids, no cares, volunteered for every trip that there was, which means I got to teach everything. I, I taught every subject that you could teach. I taught land warfare, CQB, what we used to call CQB. When did that change to CQC? Was it always CQC for you? They would they would switch up between CQB and CQC in SQT, and I believe mm-hmm. my first platoon. It was CQC. It was, yeah, it was. They were really trying to hard, like, "Hey, it's now CQC," and guys were like, "Okay." We had we had a new guy, a freaking same, same. My second platoon, we had this awesome guy, and we had he had to write up like the new guys had to write up their bullet points for their evaluations. Yeah. And he wrote completed CQB training, but he had it C cubed, like like three to the power of three <laughs> CQB, CQB, and every yeah C cubed B, and he was totally serious. Like he thought that's what it was called. So um, I, maybe that's why they had to switch eventually to CQC to make up for the homes. But look, I, I got to teach that. I got to teach mount or at least go on mount trips, MARops, OTB. I taught a diving course. I, I taught a freaking awesome diving course, and this is back in the day when the diving course was five weeks long, and you'd, you'd take off your rig and climb through pipes up into the piers and stuff, and then go do something, then come back and put your rig back on. Uh, spec recon, taught spec recon. So I got to teach everything. I was very, very lucky, and that's where I felt like I really started to learn, and the, what allows you to be able to learn so much is you're detached. You are you are detached. You're not part of the platoon. You're watching the platoon, so you are detached. And that's when you, if you pay attention, if you pay attention, you realize that you can see so much because you're detached. And that really brought it home for me. And it's you know it's what I wrote about in leadership strategy and tactics. I kind of figured that out on an oil rig my first platoon about how to detach, but then when I realized as an instructor, oh, you can see everything, 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 when you're in an elevated position or when you take a step back. So that was awesome, and then from there I got picked up for the officer program, assistant platoon commander, platoon commander, task unit commander, went through more workups, more deployments, continued to learn, assemble thoughts in my head about how to do things, about how to run missions, about how to lead, and 
those workups and those deployments solidified a lot of ideas in my head about combat leadership. And the more I learned as I was teaching the guys in my platoons about stuff. And then the Battle of Ramadi obviously put those theories to the ultimate test. And, you know, we're able to utilize those those principles for victory. But I'll tell you what, it wasn't until I got home, took over Naval Special Warfare Group 1 trade at. That's when the leadership principles that we talk about all the time, that's when they got really crystallized. Because at that time, in that place, in my opinion, I think that was the best leadership laboratory and instructional facility that has ever existed in the world. And look, I know that is a crazy, crazy big statement to make. It's accurate. <laughs> but the what we were able to do at that time, look, we had a huge budget. The war was in full swing. Because of our deployment and because of our combat experience in task unit bruiser being in sustained urban combat, man, I was given like the widest possible boundaries to push the envelope and do whatever we kind of wanted to do. And that's what we ended up with. And look, the training that we went through when we were in Task Unit Bruiser, the, tra- the, the cadre that put us through training was also awesome. And so it was not like, it was not like this revolutionary change, but we took it, we did take it even further. We took, and, and even that training, you know, when, when I had Roger Hayden on, we came back from Vietnam. We still do stuff. So it's, I'm not sitting here saying that that this training at that time was better than anything else and it's because of us. No, what I'm saying is tr- that the training that you get to do is awesome. And when we were in that lucky moment in time, because of the way the freaking planets aligned, it just was epic. It was epic. So what we what we end up with is this. We have... We have multiple arenas, multiple arenas of leadership challenges to test and train leadership capability. They're all different arenas you can go to. The the two that I'm gonna talk about the most because they probably had the most power was the land warfare arena and then the Mount or Salk arena. And this is another thing that they changed at some point. It used to be Mount when I was younger which was military operations, urban terrain, and then it got changed to SALC, which is special operations, urban combat. But whatever you want to call it, these two, these two arenas that we were allowed to run these training missions, and we were, had the opportunity to put platoon after platoon after platoon after platoon through complex, dynamic, reactive, intense, realistic, high pressure scenarios where the difference between success and failure came down to one thing and one thing only. It only came down to one thing and that was leadership. That was leadership. It was 100% leadership. If a a platoon or a task unit was successful, it was because of the leadership. And if the platoon or task unit failed, it was because of the leadership. Because there's some constants there's some variables and some constants. The constants are, look, you're gonna be in a stressful situation. It's gonna be a complex mission. It's going to be a opposing force, so the bad guys 
are going to be highly capable. They're also gonna be tightly controlled most of the time. Sometimes sometimes my brothers would get a little out of hand, but most of the time it's tightly controlled. And then you have a platoon or two platoons of SEALs. Now, some people might think, well, you know, there's gonna be a variation in the SEAL platoons. And that is accurate. There is going to be some level of variation of the skills in a SEAL platoon. But overall, the variation of the troops, of the 14 or 16 shooters in that platoon, overall, when you combine them all together, you're gonna have some smart guys, you're gonna have some dumb guys, you're gonna have some old guys, you're gonna have some new guys, you're gonna have some aggressive guys, you're gonna have some passive guys, you're gonna have all these different, you're big guys, small guys, you're gonna have all these different guys, and you take them all together and you mix them up, and that platoon is gonna fall within the margin of error of a normal SEAL platoon. That's what's gonna happen. Seals come in all different shapes and sizes, and, and that's just the out, the net outcome that you get when you put them all together is a SEAL platoon, and they're all kind of pretty much the same thing. They, look, there's a variance, like I said. There's a variance, but they're not, there's not one platoon that's filled with idiots. It just doesn't exist. There's not one platoon that's filled with told everyone's a stud. It doesn't exist. Occasionally we get like these stacked platoons, occasionally, and sometimes they'd implode and sometimes they'd do good because again, you got the mixture. But what would happen when a stacked platoon? It just depends on how good the leader was. If the leader could contain those egos, that platoon could be great. If he couldn't, it would fall apart. So because the platoon is kind of the same functional thing within a, within a margin of error, the only difference between success and failure ends up being the, the platoon the platoon leadership. And it doesn't really even matter where that platoon leadership is coming from. It doesn't really even matter. It took me, it probably took me um, one month to figure this out. It took me one month before I didn't care who the leader was. I didn't care if it was the chief. I didn't care if it was the platoon commander. I didn't care if if it was the leading petty officer of the platoon. I didn't care if it was an E5, three E5s that were just awesome and they could make shit happen. That, that that's enough leadership in a platoon that they can win all day. So you talk about when you were running trading, it took you a month to really not care where that leadership came from or when you were in your first platoon? I would say, no, when I was, when I took over trade at, yes. I was watching and at first I thought, hey, here's the job for the OIC. Mm-hmm. Yes. Here's the job for the platoon chief. Here's the job for the assistant platoon commander. Here's the job for the LPO. Hey, these are the roles and responsibilities. I wrote those roles and responsibilities out. Mm-hmm. and gave them to people and issued them to people and they were like, okay, this is cool. But then you'd realize you'd have a platoon chief that didn't know what he was doing mm-hmm. or you'd have an OIC that didn't know what he was doing. And so he couldn't handle that job, whatever that job was. Yes. But if you had a horrible platoon chief but the LPO was a badass, wouldn't really matter. That no. guy would just cover for him and, and, and make it happen. And maybe the, maybe the chief is good at admin. And so he's kind of, oh, look, man, I'll take care of the paperwork over here. You know, you got to do your thing. I mean, it's not like Leif Babin was relying heavily on Tony Efrati to handle the paperwork for Leif, right? <laughs> I bet you Tony didn't know how to turn on a computer, right? Because that's not what his skill set was. And it didn't matter one bit. Leif's doing paperwork. His junior officer's doing paperwork. Tony's running tactics like Tony should be running tactics. But that can swap. Yes. That can swap. You can end up with a platoon commander who's just a stud and has a good comprehension of tactics and a platoon chief that doesn't really get it. He's a good guy, but he's not going to add much from the tactical front. But So 
That's what it boils down to. I didn't, it took me about a month to go, look, I don't care as long as we have leaders in here. Yeah. I'm happy. And so going through this training, the training that we had, not only identified who the leaders were and then what their shortfalls were, but most important, it allowed us the opportunity to teach them how to lead. That, that was the most important thing, was that it allowed us the opportunity to teach them how to lead. And, and the lessons that you get learned in these dynamic environments when you feel them. You ever heard that thing, he who suffers remembers? Yes. It's a, it's, I, think, I think I quite frankly got that in a fortune cookie at some point <laughs> in my life. I don't want to tell you I got it from Sun Tzu mm-hmm. or Musashi. I'm pretty sure there's also <laughs> some uh, Bible verses around that as well. But Okay. Yeah. I didn't get it from any of those. I think I legitimately <laughs> got it from a fortune cookie. He who suffers remembers. And that's kind of what happens. You go through this training and it's hard. Not so much like, oh, it's physically hard, but all of a sudden you look around and everyone's no one knows what's happening, and you go, I'm supposed to be in charge of this. I'm horrible, yeah. and you go, I don't want to make this mistake again. And, and that's what's incredibly um, important. The, one of the key components of this training, all of it, it was, there's three major components to it. It was humbling, it was humbling, and it was humbling. <laughs> and if you couldn't, if you couldn't, if you approach that training, in a humble way, the guys would just do awesome. And we had f- freaking studs, just total studs. Legendary SEALs come through that training. Legendary badass SEALs come through that training and totally humble and be like, yep, we screwed that up and just be awesome. And they would turn their platoon around and just kick ass and it would be unbelievable. And then you'd have other guys come through, whether they had a lot of experience or not, or whatever their background was, where they didn't have any humility, and it would just eat them alive. It would be horrible to watch. And you couldn't really help them. It was painful, because you couldn't. It was painful. But having this training, and running this training, and seeing the, the, the literal transformation of minds to see you could see I, it's a light switch. Sometimes it's a light switch for some guys. Some guys it's a little bit more like a dimmer switch that's getting turned on. But to see them go from not understanding how to lead to fully being capable of how to lead was incredible. And we would see it because in the beginning of, let's say, the, the field training exercise time of land warfare or of urban training, the first couple days, you know, it's four or five days, maybe six days of training. The first few days, the platoon is getting annihilated, <laughs> annihilated. And as they start to learn the lessons, as they start to implement the lessons, all of a sudden, you fast forward to the last day and the the opposing force, the bad guys can't get anything done. They're getting locked down, they're getting shot, they're getting pinned down, they're getting maneuvered on because the leaders learn how to lead. And, and that's why, you know, eventually we took this, this training and wanted to duplicate it for the business world. So we could get these same tools to help organizations and, and help leaders learn to lead, which is the most important skill in the world, bar none. But JP, you ended up taking that. You ended up coming over here. We'll get into that. But let's talk about when you came home from deployment to Ramadi, and you immediately went to Bud's for a short, glorious, and 
uh, mm. uh, crazy. Do stint. we have to talk about that? <laughs> no, but just fill us in. It's actually kind of funny. I was talking to a, a, a couple young team guys the other day, and I was explaining to them that when you came home, you went, and they were like asking about you. And I said, you, you know, when you know, he, he came home, he he went to Buds. And and they were like, ooh, and I go, oh, it was not. It was bad. I mean, it was so bad. I just, it's embarrassing, really. You know, it's embarrassing because you, we just came back from Ramadi, and you know, I'm I'm looking at all these guys going through training, comparing them to Mikey and Mark, and Ryan and Cowie, and all the guys in our task unit that were injured, right? And that stayed in the fight. I mean, we had multiple guys get wounded on that deployment. That stayed on deployment. And then those Marines and those soldiers that we worked with were some of the bravest humans we'd ever been alongside. And so I'm I'm mad that I'm not overseas because I, I wanted to still be over there. And I got pulled from my, my platoon. And that was what was the worst part is because I had shoulder surgery, ended up with some temporary nerve damage where I would just drop something. Well, you can't be in an active platoon when that happens. And so I get pulled f- from the platoon. What phase did they put you in? In doc. So oh before they God. even start first phase. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Dude, how old were you? How old were you? <laughs> like 23? I was still 23. Dang. Dude. Yep. I remember. Yeah. Um, I was, I was 23 when I was at buds. Um, no, I'm sorry. I was, I turned 24 and then I went there because I had the surgery and the like the okay, rehab. So it was a little more time yeah. passed. I mean, not much. Yeah. I mean, come back like from Ramadi. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you know, we started the workup. I was, I went to, you know, I was going to school, we started the workup and had to have surgery, issues with the surgery. You know, they were, I was at the, I was still at Team 3 for a while. And, you know, because Stone was my task unit commander. And I, I mean, I was just super fired up. I, I could, not, I was so excited to go back. And I think we knew we were going to be going to Solder, Solder City at the time. And so, anyway, so I get pulled. I go to Buds, um, and I am just an absolute train wreck right there. I'm comparing all these, like I said, all these guys to Mark and Mikey <laughs> and Ryan and Cowie and like. So, what you are know, you supposed to be doing in Indoc? You're supposed to be just PTing them and kind of like you're preparing them for first phase, right? So you're not supposed to be beating the shit out of them. No, I <laughs> did. Got, you comprehend that? <laughs> well, when I got pulled aside and they said, "Hey, JP, this isn't first phase. You're not supposed to have this many guys quit." <laughs> yeah, I was. How long did you last? It wasn't that long. It wasn't long. Thank God. Like for the community because <laughs> I mean, so like I said, what would you, what was your favorite way to torture uh, students? Cause I was thinking about this too. So you get this leadership laboratory that mm-hmm. we had yeah. where what we figured out was what exactly what, where to apply pressure, where to relieve pressure on these leaders to force them to start to understand how to lead and how, if they didn't understand it, how they were gonna break. But I was thinking about it, if you're a BUDS instructor, what you learn is how to get into people's heads and, and apply pressure to make them break. Yeah. Yeah, so one of the, th- um, I'll give you two examples of some stuff. Like one that was probably like the worst that I did that I definitely should not. Is there a statute of limitations on this stuff? Are we cleared? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure so. Sure, the leadership knew about this eventually. Um, it was at the end of the day, 
and they were leaving the pool deck and all the other instructors had gone and oh, that's I, a mistake right there yep, dude. Yep, all the instructors the and i was by myself and yeah, there was a lot of other stuff that was going on in my life, so I literally had no life outside of this. So I didn't have to go back home. I actually got a room at the barracks, so I didn't even have to leave. Yeah. I was just sleeping in the barracks there, like just making these students' life absolute hell. I mean, I was – it wasn't cool what I was doing. Like, I know that. I'm very apologetic, and I feel really bad now that I'm older and a little more mature. But – um one one of the times I like I took like they were trying to leave the pool deck and someone did something stupid like you know a basic student mm -hmm. thing like it should have been like twenty push ups or you know make them like jump in the pool with their gear and come back out and go but I was like nope I brought them down to the pool deck like so you know the observation mm -hmm. like deck down below oh where you're underwater yeah you're under the pool yep. deck and underwater and, and you can you, see the pool you can see the pool right. and it's dark down there and nobody knows you're down there and nobody <laughs> can hear that you're down there so I brought them down there and closed the gate to the compound to where it looked like everybody was gone and beat them down there for I, it was over an hour minimum just like just doing different like flutter kicks like the uh belly back feet drills oh, where they're yeah. just rolling i mean on your back on your belly on your yep, back on your belly belly back, back, belly. belly back feet belly back feet back. yeah and just all right you guys can't seem to get in sync and then yep. just continue going through it um so anyways, that happened, and then another time um, I was just walking by the barracks and looked in one of the windows of the, the barracks, and it was unlocked. And I'm like, oh, cool. I climbed in their window, <laughs> into their room, was doing a little inspection, opened up the fridge, and there was like two 18-packs of beer. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So I emptied every beer into the room and then <laughs> went and found the class OIC, brought the OIC, OIC in there, and the kids that were in there were underage. Oh. I was like, how do you guys want to handle this? Like, I wasn't going to try to get these kids in trouble for underage drinking because I'm not going to be a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. When I went through Buzz, I was 18, and guess what I would do on the weekends? I would go have some beers with my friends. Like, I know it happens. And if you drink underage, I know you're not – I'm not condemning this, but if you're trying to go into the SEAL teams and you're going to have a beer underage, like, for me, that's not something that's like, oh, we can't trust that guy. Mm -hmm. You know, in our especially in our community, I know it's not right. I'm not saying it's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and, and nowadays it's, it's oh, way nowadays it's, you're, now. you're done. Yeah, you're, you're done a hundred percent. And zero tolerance is an actual real thing now. And so there's, I wasn't gonna, I was at least at least stable enough to know that I'm not gonna ruin somebody's career right. over this. That that that's not fair. Because that happened to my brother. My brother was in a school with a contract to go to buds. He would have been like. No, four buds classes behind me, and he was training in a school, got injured, and so he got rolled back to where he couldn't class up. Had surgery, came back. Most kids in a school, right? They go off base, they have some drinks. He came back, came back. They had been drinking. Turns out, like, was he? So, so was he underage? Yeah, he was underage. He was eighteen at the time. And um, he got in trouble, and they were like, who, who was with you drinking? And he's like, it was me. I was the only one drinking. They're like, who was with you? He wasn't going to say anything. He was going to rattle on the guys at all. I didn't know about this until recently, until a guy who was in the teams at a different command running training told me, he's like, the reason why I'm still in the Navy and here is because of your brother. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, your brother covered for all of us. My Dang. brother didn't like, was like, nope, it's just me. So my brother ended up getting admin stepped out of the Navy for underage drinking Dang. he lost his contract to go to buds and everything yeah so i knew that happened to Corey, 
And Corey's a freaking stud. You met my brother. Oh, yeah. He's super smart. Like he's one of the smartest guys I know. He's a he was a physical stud, still is, and it's just I wasn't gonna be yeah. I wasn't gonna do that. So I gave the OIC AOIC an option and we secured him for the weekend and it was just uniform inspections about every ninety minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah, a crappy thing. I didn't know it until I came to check out Muster Zero Zero One with y'all, met Jamie Cochran. And she's like, yeah, you might know my husband. He was in the teams. And she's like, his name's Flynn. I was like, I don't know. I don't know, Flynn. And uh, then later on, I see him. I'm like, what's up, bro? And he, like, gives me a bro hug. And I was like, what are you doing here? He's like, my wife, Jamie. And she's like, you guys know each other? And he goes, yeah, it's instructor to know. I'm like, Cochran. That's how we knew mm-hmm. each other. I didn't know. And Flynn tells Jamie, he's like, yeah, JP's the reason why I missed our wedding. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> well, that weekend that I secured him. He was an OIC. He didn't tell me he was supposed to be flying up to Seattle to have a wedding. Him and Jamie got married, but then they were having a big ceremony. Like official, whatever. Official or sorry, they did the official one, but now they're doing a party. Official thing. doing a party for all the family. Well, he, I secured him that weekend. <laughs> and so he missed out on that. And I was like, oh, this is great. So this is my first introduction to Jamie nice five to years ago. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, when I was an instructor at Bud's, I was... I was thinking about when I went through buds, what some of the instructors used to do, and some of those instructors were evil. Evil, mm-hmm. yeah. They, you know, the you know about the the red circle, right? The red circle and dive phase where you'd have to bear crawl with all your gear on until there was blood in a circle from guys like hands and feet getting raw and just crazy stuff. Like now, there's I'd be surprised if some of that stuff still went on. Yeah, well, they Which have we they have other ways. Hey, they have, they other, have other ways, ways, and there should be other ways to there's thin the herd and hold that there's a that training is freaking hard right now oh yeah like it's it's, it's probably it's harder i guarantee <clears throat> yeah. it's probably harder and just in a different way and they're but yeah, smarter they're, they're not like like i mean i had a instructor that got in trouble because he would test the sharpness of the knives by cutting people's freaking palms right like that's what is happening that's crazy yeah he got in trouble for it uh, we had an instructor that got in trouble because we had to do push-ups on the back of our hands with twin seventy-twos on oh, our backs. Just messing, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're just hell. Hey, why don't just why don't you just hit people's freaking hand with a ball peen hammer just yeah. to call it good? One time, I, I came back to the court. Like I said, I lived on base. I mean, I had a room. I lived with Derek Benson, mm-hmm. who is my homeboy for since like we checked in the teams together and just really you know another good team guy from Northern California. He had an awesome house. We lived. I lived there. But I was so obsessed when I was a buzz instructor. And I, so I was living on base. Like I said, I had the room in the barracks, and I was staying there. And I, I caught um, a guy at the quarterdeck watch asleep. And I just beat his boots <laughs> off, man, for like three hours straight. And then I made him call the OIC, who lived down in IB. He had to get dressed. He came in. I was like, where's the LPO? So he calls him. He lives out in town as well. And I, it was just a beat session mm-hmm. until all of them got there. And I explained what happens when guys fall asleep on watch overseas. And I told him about the stories that we'd hear about Marines being murdered because somebody fell asleep when they're in, in a building, right? Or soldiers, that same thing had happened to them. It's the same thing that we would talk about when we were in Ramadi. We weren't going to let anybody else be in charge of standing watch unless you were a team guy because we knew mm-hmm. – 
we couldn't. Like, we weren't going to let the Iraqi soldiers. Like, hey, you stand watch. Okay, cool. <laughs> just going to fall asleep, like, leaning on his rifle and his toe on the trigger. Like, it's just crazy. So, yeah, I was, I was, I was wound real tight. What was the straw that broke the camel's back that – or was it was did anything specific happen where they're like, all right, we gotta get this guy out of here? It was just constant, like I, I didn't so the problem is I, I remember I I don't no, they remember called specific, you guys. yeah. They they were like, Hey, you, basically you need to come get your boy. Yeah, because I, I, I was straight I was T A D over there. I was, I was temporarily like assigned Troutman duty. Dude. I was temporarily assigned duty to the command. So I was getting ready to actually I was probably gonna get in trouble because I <laughs> I didn't well the horrible thing is, like, I didn't respect the chief that was in charge of the training. He was a piece of shit team guy. He just didn't represent the teams in, well in anything with his life, his reputation, the teams. His, you know, we're, we're instructors at, at, at Bud's, and he is grossly overweight. Eesh. And I'm just like – and it wasn't because of an injury. There are some guys that have injuries that mm. go there. That's one thing. No, it was his actual lack of discipline. Just it was – I had zero respect for him. And so he was the one that was like pulling me aside and trying to like, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. And I'm like, you're going harder. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yep. Roger that. Sweet. You know that 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 feeling of this is the same type of feeling that I would have. So when we'd be out at Mount or something like this, when when I was running it, and I'd see like a guy standing in the middle of the street, and I would get like a knot in my stomach. I would. I would start to sweat and I would get so cause so emotional mm-hmm. about like hey this guy's gonna get fucking killed yes. and, I, and and I can't imagine like here you are you're having the same feeling but oh this guy's falling asleep on watch this is a night this is I can't allow this guy in the teams like that level of commitment and emotional commitment to wanting to make sure that the guys that are gonna make it to the teams are the best freaking guys and that was me I was trying to make sure that these guys were ready and it was a, a very, it was an emotional thing. It was an emotional yes. thing. Yeah, I was 100%. Like, I, my my marriage at the time w- was falling apart, and I was okay with that because I was more concerned about the teams. And in hindsight, like, okay, cool. She was a good person. We weren't good together. Like, I'm very thankful that that didn't work out because of my family that I have now. Mm-hmm. I'm very thankful. But I was so just in the team. Like, that's all that mattered was the teams, the teams, the teams. And I, you know, I just, I was, like you just said, I was just emotionally involved and connected all the time. You know, I I saw guys that I put through training and they'd come back through training later on, like the training we ran. And then I'd see them out in the teams. And I'm always like, hey, man, I'm sorry. They're like, bro, (laughs) you cared about the teams. Like, we're good with that. And it's funny because the guys I made through training that turned out to be good team guys. It bothered none of them. Mm-hmm. Not one of those guys ever were like, "Yeah, that kind of sucked." They were just like, "Bro, you were in the game. Like, you just came back from." It. So they they understood it. Yeah. yeah. And what you just said is, you know, the the leadership thing, right? You're so emotionally invested in getting these guys trained and developed, and when you took over training, you saw the void of the leadership training. Our tactics are ridiculous. The amount of money and the high level training that we have with it, it comes to all the like the tactical stuff that we do is is awesome. Can we make it better all the time? Yes, we're all, we're always trying to make it better. But we actually didn't have any actual leadership development. And it showed in all other areas of the teams. And I know I've talked with you a lot about this is I was very aware that I was young and immature and not going to be a good leader. I knew that. 
and I wanted, I craved that leadership development and training. And I saw it outside of the military. Like I was reading business books and personal development books because I knew I just needed that. And the teams didn't have that until you, I always thought it was crazy. You didn't go to like leadership development training until you're in E7, E8, E9. I'm like, they need it as an E3, E4, E5, E6, where there's a large portion of our community is at that rank. And they have a large amount of interaction with other forces out there. They need professional development and leadership development. And it wasn't until you took over Trade It that we didn't have that. Yeah, the, it was really strange the way the teams used to be. And you, it was all OJT. And you were going to learn. You learned your leadership skills from whoever your chief was, whoever your platoon commander was. You know, your platoon commander is probably going to learn from his chief, but which is awesome if you have an awesome chief. If, yeah. And if you don't have an awesome chief, you, you don't. And, and sometimes you'd get it like a platoon chief coming through our training and you'd, he'd have issues. And you could pull the thread and see like who he did his LPO for, who he, you could kind of figure out what his background was because you would just get this string of people that just weren't really the best leaders. They mm-hmm. were you know, people that led through their rank or people that didn't understand tactics. And so you end up with, you had a very wide variety of, a, a, a wide span of skills that these leaders had. And there was no one, there was no one teaching them, all right, here's, the, here's what you need to do as a leader. So when I put together that freaking leadership brief, it was like, okay, it was, I was very lucky to be able to do that. And that's what, <laughs> that, that's what was cool. That was awesome for me. And you know, it's funny because I never said to like, I never said to Leif or to Seth, like, hey, here's the four loss comment. I didn't say that to him. I was like, what we did. Yeah, I was like, hey, dude, hey, you need to put your machine gunners out if you're going across the road. Well, why? You need to cover for them. You need to cover for them. Okay, that's cover move. Like, dude, your plan is freaking way crazy complicated. So those guys got it over time, you know, um, just through repetitive interactions Mm -hmm. of saying, dude, what are you doing trying to get a head count right now? You're freaking getting shot at. What are you doing? Like, your stoner would be like, Roger, you know, like, go handle that shit. And so... All those, I had a bunch of things in my head, but when I got to trade at, that's when I was like, oh, I, well, that was a, that was the huge eye opener for me. I had Leif and Seth and the, and the officers and be able to say like, hey, we're going to do that iteration again. We're going to be here for a month at Land Warfare. I'm going to get to teach you this little things, make little adjustments. But when I took over trade at, it was like, oh, I'm going to see this platoon for a week here and a week there and a week there. And I need to dump them all this information as quickly as I can in a way that they can understand it. So that's why the very first thing that I went, the very first training evolution I went on, went back and wrote down those four laws of combat. It goes to one of the things that we talk about and we teach at Echelon Front is when you put somebody in charge of training or in charge of just anything, Mm -hmm. it changes the way they think. It naturally, so you had been thinking this way for your whole career, but it wasn't until you were in charge of trade it that you were actually more mindful of, oh, yep. and then you just sat and you thought about it. And it's, it's one of the things that we do, obviously, in the field training exercises is everyone gets rotated through different positions of leadership. But you started really implementing it at trade it where every or actually, no, I'm sorry, in our task unit where everybody was going to be in charge of something. Oh, yeah. yeah and it was yeah. like, hey, Biggles, you're in tra- you're the task unit commander for this run. What? <laughs> JP, you're going to be the acting platoon chief. 
What? <laughs> but once we were in those positions of leadership, it forced us to think differently. Yep. And then once we had that new, you know, thought process, it changed the way we operated going forward. And that's why training is so critical to success. Yeah, I was thinking if you were right or not, and you were right, because I was thinking if I would have just done another task unit, mm-hmm. I would have done the exact same thing. Yep. I wouldn't have, I would have trained the guys the same way, and I would have trained the guys through more of an indirect method of like, hey, let's do that again. Oh, you need to make sure you're covering. Hey, make that's a little bit comp. I would have done it the same way I did it with Leif and Seth and the rest of the guys, like, hey, this is what you're gonna learn over the next year. I wouldn't have said, oh, this stuff needed to be distilled down, here's the way it's gonna be, and I need to kind of get this formula that people can utilize immediately. I wouldn't have done that if it wasn't, if I hadn't been put in training. So yeah, you're right, you're right. I think, I you know, whatever, I heard like a little rumor or whatever, I don't know who called me, but someone, you know, basically, uh, it was like Colonel Troutman was getting the call, like you need to come get your boy. Because, because You're gonna have to give the reference so people understand what you're talking about right oh, now. Oh, Rambo, Rambo, Rambo. Colonel Troutman, you know, Rambo's out in the woods, um, uh, you know, killing civilians, killing friendly civilians, there are no friendly civilians, but he's out there doing that, and they have to go get, or Colonel Troutman shows up to get him out, and freaking get him back under control. And I got some kind of a call like that. And it's so funny because everybody knew 100% that I was 100% going to absolutely take you, bring you, shield you, and there was gonna be no beef about this whatsoever. No one even made like any reference to anything other than this is 100% good to go, Jocko. You, you know, JP, not really fitting into here too well. Yeah. Come get your boy. All good. It wasn't like, hey, this guy. No one even. No one even would say a negative thing about you. They were just saying like, hey, you you might he might be a little, a little better if he goes back working for you again. I'm like, check. Hundred percent factual. <laughs> I don't know who it was. I want to say. I mean, dude, that was so long ago. But I feel like it was Z. It I feel like some. You know, it might have been Bobby. So. Bobby was there uh-huh. at Buds at Indoc with me, oh. and he actually pulled oh, he me. Was probably him, yeah. So he pulled me aside a few times, and I have always had tremendous amount of respect for him. Yeah, yeah, Trem- yeah. Bobby's trem- awesome. Yeah, he's a stud guy. I always looked up to, and there's a few times like he pulled me aside, and I was just like so wound tight. <laughs> but this shitty chief that was in charge of us just completely, like, even though Bobby was like kind of reining me back, and I was like, okay, yeah, and then. This guy, I was like, nope, got to go harder until, I mean, he might have, I don't know, I don't know, but he might have reached out to Z, Z got a hold of you. Either way, it was, I was probably going to get in trouble, and um, they were like, oh, he's TAD, he's, well, where is he attacked? Oh, he's still at Team 3, but he can't go back there. Jocko, bring him to trade it. And I remember when I went there, because that day I checked in there, I went and had a talk with you, you you introduced me to a few guys, and it was... I was like, this is where I need to be. And I, I still, I know we'll get into this a little bit more. I, there was, I was excited to be there, fulfilled to be there, but I didn't fully grasp well, yeah, it took what you my a little, mission it, was. It took you, you still wanted to be overseas, shooting people. Yeah. Which is a big um, gaping hole in your heart when you're not overseas shooting people and instead you're back in America, which is mm-hmm. just boring and miserable and you didn't want to be doing that, whether it was instructing in doc students or at trade at. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we just had to make a little connection between 
you know, you being at trade at, and by the way, it, making sure our guys are the best trained in the world. Yeah. And that's the conversation we had. Yep. Um, and then you went right, you went, you went right into Salk. Did you go right into Salk? Yes. Yep. It was Salk and CQC. I was, I was running, I was in, in both. And then Salk is when, uh, I think I was there for a year and then I became the LPO mm-hmm. of Salk. So let's talk a little bit about, um, Salk and what's interesting. So this is, again, this is urban training. We have uh, a few urban training sites that we would use. We would set, they were very realistic, very realistic training. We had set designers come out to design things to make them look like they were little villages in Iraq or Afghanistan. Um, We would have speakers with noise simulations coming over them. I remember we had, we set burn, we set tires on fire. Mm -hmm. And because I remember the first time I went into Ramadi at night, the Muj had set fires, set tires on fire all over the place, totally screwing up your night vision. Yep. And I was like, damn, these these dudes are next level. They're smart. Yep. And I was like, okay. And sure enough, we would have the fires going. We'd have the noise simulators going. So you hear like urban noises. And then you do, then comes the call to prayer. Mm-hmm. And it's very realistic. When I would put down my nods because oh, I'm an instructor, whatever, I'm in my instructor mode. When I would put down my nods and start walking, I would 100% feel like I was, overseas. I, I was, I was in Iraq. Mm-hmm. So the realism is legit, totally legit. Um, the interesting thing is that coming into the training, we would tell them exactly what they needed to do to win. And this is what this is why this is what's interesting. So going to CQC, when I go out and watch CQC, you'd have some instructors that would like to talk a lot, and you'd have another instructor that or another group of instructors where they do a little bit more action, a little less talk, a little more do. And you take those two groups, like there'd be one platoon with a talking instructor and one platoon with an action instructor. And so the the talking instructor He's sitting there telling stories and talking about this and giving all these details and talking through it again and hey, watch this and watch me do this and let me explain to you this and talk and talk and talk and talk. And then there'd be another guy that, hey, here's the basic, here's the fundamentals, all right, start doing it. And almost, well, it's guaranteed that the platoon that started doing it is gonna learn it quicker. The platoon that just gets to hear about it, it's not going to it's not going to land. Now, look, you need some level of instruction. Somebody needs to tell you, like, this is what we're doing. This is how we do it. You can't just go blind, obviously. But what's interesting is we would tell the guys, hey, here's what you need to do to win. Cover and move, simple. Prioritize and execute decentralized command. You, you need to do that. If you don't cover and move out here, you're going to get shot up. If you don't have a simple plan, it's going to be insane. In, we're going to have a bunch of problems. You need to prioritize and execute. By the way, you need to use decentralized command because things will be happening that not one person can control. You need to detach, take a step back. Like we would tell them these things. We would tell them, but they would understand it, but then you gotta go and do it. You gotta go and get put into those situations. I mean, I'm just writing so much down like since we started talking, I just want to hit all these points. But um, what you're just talking about goes along with. I remember when I was at trade at one of my chiefs told me as an instructor, he's like, "Hey, 
we have to teach these guys how to think, not what to think. Because the battlefield is very dynamic and these guys need to be able to think on their own. And it wasn't until we actually had them out there doing it, it doesn't matter. You can give a scenario all day long, you can tell stories, but until somebody's actually putting their hands on it, it doesn't matter. I, you know, I teach shooting on the side and I can talk about it all day long, but until I have somebody actually loading rounds into a magazine and then locking the slide to the rear and be like, oh, that little button, yeah, that's how you lock the slide to the rear. And I can talk about it all day long, but if they've never done it, to watch somebody fumble over the most basic thing that I think is just the most basic thing ever, but if they've never shot before, that's actually a real big deal. Locking the slide to rear, putting a loaded magazine into a gun, releasing the slide, making sure rounds chambered. These are things that you and I do without even thinking. No thought whatsoever. No thought whatsoever. I can hear the slide go forward and know if a round is chambered or not. Whether it was that magazine seated all the way, was it not? Did a round actually get chambered? And I've done that before. I'm like, there's nothing in there. And I checked the magazine, it wasn't fully seated. Check the chamber, yep, no round in there. Because we've done it hundreds of thousands of times. Someone who's never done it, they actually have to do it before they can feel it. And when people feel it, then that's what that's when it, it comes home. Like you were saying earlier, like when you when you make a mistake and you feel that mistake, when um the cool thing about the FTX program is I've been able to build a team, you know, and Cody's been on full time with us for, geez, almost over three years now. We just got Carlos Mendez on, on board full time where, I mean, you know, all these guys that I have on the team are studs, you know, Cowie, Danny, and we do what we teach, right? And so now my team is doing all the classes, all the intros in the morning so I can be detached. I listen, I observe, I come in with my points when I need them. And one of the things Carlos always says that, I always said that Cody always says that you guys always say is, hey, when you make a mistake where it costs you something, you feel that and you remember it. And it's just that's the power of, of training is when you can feel a mistake, you'll remember that mistake. There's something <clears throat> when you said you got to do it right. It's so strange. The experience that you can watch people have as they get wrapped up and absorbed and overwhelmed by the mayhem. And this happens when you run your FTXs. Yep. When I'm out there, I'll watch people go insane. Yep. They're totally, they're having an out of body experience, like an out of mind experience. It's crazy to watch. And sometimes they don't even understand it. I, I remember when we first started getting video cameras and we started videoing training. This was like, the first time I would say I, I videoed training was maybe in the late 1990s. Hey, let's watch our room entries and see what they look like. And occasionally you'd get a guy that would just do something so insane and they wouldn't even understand that they had done it. Mm -hmm. they, they wouldn't understand that they had done it and you'd have to say, look at the video. Watch, watch what you just did. We'd be like, hey, you backed out of that room. I didn't back out of the room. No way. No way. Okay, watch this. There you are, literally backing out of the room, right? You you didn't even understand that you did it. Remember, I used to have my little audio yes. voice recorder. <laughs> so I used to carry a little audio voice recorder, Echo Charles. Yes, sir. And the reason, because at during these nighttime FTXs, there's all this stuff happening, and you can't write notes. So I would just most of the time, 
I'd just be saying, oh, they pulled a guy off the flank over there. That guy's left by himself. That This is going to go bad. I would be making notes to myself, and then I'd come back and be like, hey, you guys left that guy out on the flank. That's how he got left behind. Mm-hmm. So I would make notes to myself, but then sometimes I would use it to capture the audio of what was actually occurring, mm-hmm. of people losing their minds, of people yelling, screaming, giving crazy orders, not under, like I would record conversations that were mutually unintelligible between two people, mm-hmm. where two people were talking to each other and neither one of them, it made, you could play it and it'd be, it would be a senseless conversation that made no sense whatsoever. They're talking about two totally different things. Like one guy's like, we need to get back over there. And the other guy's like, yeah, we do. But one person is talking about back over there behind the building. The other person's talking about back over there across the street. Mm-hmm. They're talking about two totally different things. And you, I would record them and, and then play it back for them. And they'd realize how absorbed and how you get into this mode where your world is shrinking, you're, you're getting target fixation, you're, it's the opposite of detachment. You're doing the opposite thing. You're just getting fixated on what's right in front of you and it'd be a total disaster. But what's good is when they'd hear that video or they'd hear that audio and you'd see the look on their face like, damn, dude, I suck. I suck. I sounded like an idiot. I sounded like a complete idiot. And then that would be a way to kind of crack the ego open and yep. crack the mind open and for them to be like, dude, what are you saying I need to do? <laughs> yep, here's what you need to do. Take a step back, man. When this stuff starts getting crazy, when people start yelling, if you're yelling, you're the platoon commander. If you're yelling and screaming, this is not a good indication. So as soon as you start raising your voice, think to yourself, why am I raising my voice right now? What it, What is happening? I'm not saying you never have to raise your voice. Because sometimes you do. Sometimes you gotta you gotta get control of things. But if that's what's happening, you know something's wrong. Mm-hmm. So guys would that's what would start to kind of get their minds open sometimes where they would start to realize like, oh, I'm not as good as I thought I was. And I just had a freaking out of body experience <laughs> and I think I might be an idiot. <laughs> that that's what makes the field training exercise program 100%. that we run at Echelon Front. That's what makes it the most impactful form of training that we have at Echelon Front. Because you're feeling it. Like you said that late this isn't just me saying it because it's my my program, right? It's because it's the truth. Like you actually feel it. You come back from a run and you're humbled. And you're sitting there, and the first thing we do is we debrief that run. All right, what was your key takeaways? And we're always very clear. Remember, we don't care about the tactics. We're not here to teach yep. you tactics. I don't. If you were supposed to come up on the east side, you went to the west side. Doesn't matter. What did? What was your takeaway that applies to business or your personal life? And so people are, like you said, that you just cracked it open. They feel that it's humbling. Um, we had a guy like you're talking about, like people just saying crazy stuff. We've, we've heard this one multiple times. It'll be like, squad one, line up on the left. Squad two, line up on the left. Yep. And people are like, look around, like, what? <laughs> and they're like, why is nobody moving? And they don't realize they said that. Yep. We were running one a few weeks ago up in Michigan, and it's one of our scenarios where I'm not going to give it out. But anyways, it's a stressful situation, and all of a sudden we, we change something on them. It's a prioritize and execute run. And the guy's sitting there, and they come up with a plan, and somebody asks a question. He's like, it's the plan that they came up with. We're going to do it. He was quoting as if it was somebody else's plan, but it was his <laughs> plan that he just came, that he's telling the team to go, but he's so overwhelmed. And I remember I was watching him, and he like just drops the laser tagger to the side, his hands to his side, and takes a step back and looks around and goes, 
we're going to do their plan. <clears throat> yep. Oh, I'm writing this one down. Yep. <laughs> and in the Have debrief, you ever heard that Jason Gardner story? Jason Gardner, one? they get done. They're at CQC. They're like out, out right here in SoCal, mm. just in our little kill house. They do a run and they're standing around debriefing. And one of the officers cracks off around as they're standing there debriefing. It goes Holy between shit. like a guy's legs. And the guy, the, the guy looks up and he, and he goes, he was decocking it. <laughs> Meaning he's talking about himself in the third, third person, person as if this is, well, that, that's the exact same thing, dude. Like you're, when you start referring to what's happening as if it's someone else in a bad way, this is not a good sign. I stole your, uh, your voice recorder trick for when I got out and I was doing sales and I'd be driving, you know, I was start off cold calling and then I'd just go to appointments and I, I was more efficient on the road, but I would try to hit as many people as a day and I'd get done with a run. Well, I had to take notes on the conversation I just had so I could follow up with the right contract and everything else like that. But I also couldn't sit in a parking lot for 15, 20 minutes because I had other clients. I had that anxiety that I needed to go, go, go. Well, I was also commission-based only, so I needed to get out there. And so I, I bought a, a, a recorder, and I'd get done with the meeting. As soon as I walked out of their doors to my rental car, I'd start debriefing mm-hmm. myself on that meeting as I'm driving in the next one, stop, and then I would do that. And then at the end of the night, I would listen to all those notes that I had for each one, generate the emails, contracts, whatever, get them sent out. And it was I mean, I stole that from you from Trade Act. Yeah. It was efficient. <laughs> I have some of those recordings. I sent I sent a group text with some of those yes, recordings. You did. Some some team guy because team guys used to record me debriefing. Mm-hmm. Now it wasn't me. It wasn't those things. I do have some of those things too. Still, some of the just out in the field, like like, hey, what's going on right now? I have no idea. idea. <laughs> <laughs> We're all gonna die. Uh, so some of the problems that we would throw at the teams, obviously giving them down men was was a big one and giving them civilians to deal with putting them in an IED field we we build little simulated IEDs so things are blowing up kind of they would end up with split forces for whatever reason whether we set up a target where it made sense for them to split forces or we would just drive some situation that would make them split their forces give them target and then change the target so they've got like updating intel and so that there's a bunch of problems right there and we haven't even mentioned that there could be an enemy shooting at you right so those problems down man civilians ied field split forces changing targets you haven't even encountered the enemy yet right so so you know it's gonna get wild and then once we start bringing the enemy on and that's when you start to get into, you know, barricaded shooters and you're taking massive casualties and hostage situations. You know, we would capture the one of the seals we get left behind. We'd capture him. I mean, I used to give 72 hour liberty if you could get a seal. <laughs> like if Jay, I'd be like, all right, boys, you bring me back a body. You bring me back a live one. You got 72 hour liberty. <laughs> I brought, brought you back a few. And one of the times I actually took the, the guy's camis and gear off of them. Oh, yeah. And then put all the clothes back on and then joined back in with the group <laughs> and just started murdering everybody from the inside. Got in one of their Humvees, drove oh. off, came back, was just like shooting them with their own 50 cal. And they're like, <laughs> like what is our guy doing? Like, because I was wearing the kit and the yeah. camis, and it, I looked like I was one of those guys. And yep. 
Yep, and yeah. that that's the kind of mayhem that would go down. Well, it didn't help when you're like, JP, activate. <laughs> Done, eyes roll back like a shark. It's like, what can I get away with? Oh, man. Uh, and here's, here's the deal. Like I said before, all those problems, they can be solved, and they can be solved by utilizing the, the laws of combat leadership. And if a leader didn't step up, and again, I don't care what leader. I don't care if it was an E5. I don't care if it was a new guy. If someone in the platoon didn't step up and and start to lead, everyone would die. Mm. Everyone would die. And that was another interesting thing that we could do sometimes is is pull take a platoon guy and be like, all right, dude, you come walk with me on this run. And you can watch and you can see how this unfolds. And then you give them the ability to detach. Or sometimes, just while some craziness is going on, I walk over and be like, hey, dude, Kimmer, get off your gun, come over here, st- step back with me, and look and see what's going on. Do you see what's going on? Yes. Do you know what decision to make now? Three seconds ago, you had no idea what to do because you were looking down a corner, pulling your trigger, and nothing was happening, everything was stagnant. I pulled you off that corner. Someone picked up for security for you. Now you look around and it's really obvious what you need to do, isn't it? Yes, it is. So you have to let people see and feel, like you were saying, feeling the the laws, but feeling what it feels like to detach. And then they realize, okay, that needs to be my protocol. That's what that's what I need to focus on. And the improvement and the learning curve will be so fast. Once guys started doing this, like I said, uh, by the end of, the SAUC training by the end of land warfare training, the platoons would be able to crush the instructors most of the time, most of the time. Yeah. Occasionally, someone fa- the, we'd have a failing troop, and they just couldn't get it together, and they would get recycled, reloaded. Yeah, one of the things I wrote down when you were first talking and then you said it again is, just as a reminder, when I, when I was acting as a role player, my at the beginning of like them coming out there for that training, I would literally just have on a pair of gator sunglasses, like not a mask, nothing else. Cause I wasn't really worried about being shot up too much. Like I just, I was really confident in my abilities as an individual, because when you're moving as an individual, if you're good at what you do, you actually have some advantages. But as the training would progress along the groups that were really starting to get it, I knew I was like, Oh, this next run's going to be really bad for me. It's like I have a picture of me. I'll try to find it where one of the runs I didn't have a I, I forgot to grab a ball of clava or full and I just had my gator sunglasses and I got shot two to three times in the face with simonition and those plastic rounds were like sticking out of my cheek and my but that's what would happen is yep. when they would use the laws of combat, we couldn't beat them. Even us use them because it's a full platoon. Yeah, yeah. And when you're moving as a fire team, I I can't do anything yeah. unless I'm acting as a sniper from a distance. Yeah, I'm going to have that advantage. But even then, if they're using the laws of combat and they they understand the situation, then they're gonna they're gonna pin me down. They're gonna maneuver on yep. me. They're gonna call in air support. They're they are going to win when they use the laws of combat. Yep. And yep. it's the same it's the same thing for every aspect of your life. Yep. I don't care what your business is. If you decide to use the laws of combat you will win personally and professionally. And I just remember like when guys would be progressing in training, I just knew I'm going to get my ass kicked. And there was times that I got my ass kicked as a role player and I loved it because it meant that we were doing our job hundred percent. And it meant that those guys were going overseas 
and what they were going to do, those enemy fighters, was going to be glorious, and they were all going to come home. Yep. And that was the purpose. That's why. That was our mission. Yep. Yeah, it was so rewarding yes. to see them start to step up and, and see the leader start to lead and see the E5 mafia start to take control of stuff. And and then it would just be mayhem. Mayhem for the role players. Uh, you guys would be doing everything you could, cheat, lie, freaking sneak, um, bring yourselves back to life, just do everything you could, <laughs> and they would just kick your ass. Because like you said, there's 40 of them. Mm-hmm. And there's maybe six, seven role players, and you're just gonna get your ass kicked. Oh, well, what if you come against a force that's 40, you know, why shouldn't we train to fight against 40 people? Well, no, we shouldn't, because we're not gonna go fight a fair fight. We're not gonna go fight 40 against if 40. If there's 40 enemy fighters, I'm gonna bring 4,000. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we would put them in scenarios like that as well, mm-hmm. where what, what the right call would be to back off, leave. Oh, this building is so well defended that you just kept throwing bodies at it and throwing seals at it and they keep getting killed, keep getting killed, keep getting killed. No, take a step back, get your JTAC to drop a bomb on that damn thing. That's one of my favorite, or I would I'd say my top favorite run that we do in the field training exercise mm-hmm. program is it doesn't matter what they do. If they keep pushing forward, they're all gonna die. And it's not until we get done and we in the scenario and we end it right there. And we we do a debrief real yep. time so they can see it and feel it and they're like Shit. Yep. And, and then it's like, okay, so you have a business. You've invested in some marketing campaign. The return on investment has been zero. What should we do? Go harder. Put more money into it. Okay, so we put more money into it. What's the return on investment now? Nothing. Okay, what should we do? Well, it was my plan. I think it's a great marketing plan. Let's put more money into it. And we continue to go down that path. We don't take a step back. We let our ego drive our decision-making process, and we realize that everyone dies. We lose all of our money, all of our marketing money for the year because we got committed to a plan that didn't make sense. And so those are the kinds of transfers of knowledge that goes from this this thing that you feel during the FTX Mm -hmm. into a thing that translates directly to how you're running your business. We we call that scenario murder hole, <laughs> <laughs> and it was really cool. Uh, we we did that with a group that we had going. I mean, the amount of diversity of people that come through our field training exercise program is is incredible. I mean, we've literally seen every walk of life mm-hmm. come through that training. You have guys that are super fired up. I mean, they've got I mean, they got the Jocko haircut. They're wearing the Jocko t shirt when they show up. They're wearing the origin boots, the origin jeans. I mean, they are in origin belt, like head to toe origin, Jocko fuel, like Jocko podcast stuff. I mean, they're like they're so. They're ready to lead 100%. Yes, absolutely. And then you have the complete opposite spectrum where it's an individual that you look at them and you're like, okay, they're not, you know, on on the path when it comes to their health or working out or, you know, just, you could tell that in some of them, they don't want to be there. Yeah. They're, they're there because their bosses made them come because right. we do corporate and then individual ones. And I remember we were doing it with this group and these people, were, they were too smart. They're a group of engineers and we get done with that murder hole scenario and we stop it and we, t- we sh- stop in real time to show them the train and, you know, and this lady, you know, if you were to judge a book by the cover, you're probably like, hey, she hates this. She doesn't want to be here. Like at the beginning of the day, that was just probably her body language. We get done with this run, and I'm just talking through it. And she goes, can I can I say something? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. She goes, this represents. And she goes down this path of like something happened. She goes, 
we were working on this coding problem and it should have been like two weeks. She goes, seven months later. Mm-hmm. And she goes, this is that. That's exact. This is what we do all the time because of our egos. We get sucked into projects because of our egos. We need to actually detach and we need to actually understand what our priorities are. And she's going through every, all this. I'm like, this is awesome. That's it. Man. It was so cool. And she just has this big smile. And she goes, this is the best type of training I've ever been to. And then I was like, all right, you guys ready for lunch? And it was like the run right before lunch. We go back and it was for me to sit back as an instructor and and watch the guys run the training and, and have my points. And I have my points written down. And then for the student going through the training to literally hit all my debrief points beautiful, was incredible because it shows that they're actually taking on board what we're, what we're telling to them. But and the reason why is because the training is humbling. Like it's you're going to be humbled in the training. I don't care who you are. You you're going to be humbled in that training, and that's what's awesome is because that's when their learning really starts to happen. Yeah, the the first time we tried it, the first time we tried an FTX with civilians. Um, you know, Leif and I were doing it. This is when it would lay, Ashland Front was basically just Leif and me, and yeah. we were we we tried it, and you know you don't know what. You don't know what the reaction is going to be. You don't know if the people are going to make those connections, those correlations between leadership on the battlefield and leadership in everything that they're doing. Yeah. And it was so awesome. I mean, it was you know, bunch of stories that exact same type of story. Like, oh, this is what we're. This is you know, ops never support sales. This is the problem. And you're like, oh, you don't cover and move for each other. This is exactly right. You guys are never there for us. And this way, so you get to see these things real time. And and as soon as we saw that that application. And how well it correlated, that was when I was super stoked for you to you to come over and with the long term goal of taking over that program, mm-hmm. running that program and and growing it. So talk me through talk talk us through how what does that program look like right now? It, not not like the broad program, but yeah. like let's say I got a company mm-hmm. and I re, I I hear about this thing and I want to bring my team together. What am I doing? What is my, I got 20 people. I got my leadership team, my executive leadership team. What does the program look like? So it, well, we'll do a, like a preliminary call with the client to kind of figure out exactly what they want to do. And, uh, you know, Jack Daniel, he's, he's been doing all those calls and then it's for an FTX. He then does another call with them and me. And Jack's so awesome. He's like, bro, you're so busy. I don't want to put And I'm like, Hey, if it's for an FTX, put it on my calendar, we're doing a call. And I just, cause I really want to understand what their intent is. What are right. they looking to get out of it? Because every FTX it's customizable to your industry, your problems, what you have going on. Now, as you know, the principles are universal. That's what's beautiful about this. And, but, but we can make things to where they're different than the others to drive home certain points to, to you and in your team. So we do that call and then, um, you know, now because of COVID, the virtual world, like we used Just to have- real to, quick, example. Yeah. I'll have a company and they're growing rapidly and the younger leaders aren't stepping up and making things happen. And on a call, they'll be like, look, we need to have better decentralized command. Yeah. And then it's like, hey, JP, let's, let's set up some runs to make sure we really drive home the point of how necessary it is for subordinate leadership to step up and lead it. That's the kind of adjustments we're, yep. we're making so we can drive home specific, address specific issues yep. that a company has. Yep, absolutely. So we'll be able to do that. I put them in, put in the notes and then I, as we're building out the scenarios, it, 
we'll be able to kind of change through all the different scenarios. Um, but you know, most of the time we do, um, a half day or a full day class ahead of time to make sure everyone understands the principles. Uh, you know, we talk about the battle of Ramadi laws of combat, my sister victory, do some application drills. Uh, if that's something they want, if they don't, we just do a quick virtual to lead them up to it because the FTX program, you're going to learn the principles real time. So depending on the company's time and or budget, some companies, they don't have two full days where they can take the full team out of the field. That's fine. Well, we can send over a pre-recorded video that everybody watches, or we can do a one hour, two hour, three hour virtual session ahead of time to prepare them with the principles. And then we, we come to them or they come to us. They can come to different locations that we have. The flexibility that we have with this program is incredible. And then the actual FTX, is, it's all the hands-on application. So we'll show up in the morning, we'll put them into their, their squads, we'll assign the leadership positions, we'll give them an intel brief, and then they get a plan their first mission mm-hmm. and go out there. And I think, did you skip, explain how you teach, you give, um, you know, Mary, Who's never handled a weapon before? Yes, never I did been skip into that. a, never been, never handled a squirt gun before. Yep. And now all of a sudden, you're going to have her clearing rooms. And I know mm-hmm. uh, when when we first started, actually with you, I had to be like, bro, you're not going to make these guys into seals in <laughs> two hours. They need to have yeah. the basic fundamentals of how to enter a room in a safe way, in a systematic way, so they can clear. Well, that's, that alone is a great example of me not asking enough questions from you and Leif to get like your actual commander's intent on the field training exercise program. Because in my mind, I'm like, cool, I'm going to teach them tactics and we're going to tie in leadership <laughs> and it's really important that they do all this stuff. And it's like, no, actually, I don't have to teach them any of this because we're not here for the tactics. So, yes, we start off, we give them a, hey, here's what to expect brief. Like it's. In all of our notebooks, we, we brief them on safety. We brief them on the fact that, hey, you're going to impose more stress upon yourself than is actually needed. Everyone kind of chuckles. I'm like, just you wait and see. And then after the first couple of runs, everyone's like, man, I am putting too much stress on myself. I'm like, weird. It's like we talked about that. And so we, we run through all this stuff to, to set the stage so they know what to expect. And then we give them their gear. And so we invested it into these high-speed laser tag systems. Which, by the way, is what we used in land warfare. We usually yep. didn't use those in our urban training, but no. in land warfare, in the SEAL teams, we used a high-speed laser tag system yep. that this thing is the civilian equivalent to. Yes, it's it is. It's freaking legit. It's And that was a complete god thing because when we were, we ran a few FTXs, it was all, it was airsoft. And that's cool because you're getting shot, but there's a, there's a major safety concern with airsoft. And people were lifting up their masks because they get fogged and like we're having to stop training. And it took away the from the purpose of the training, which was leadership. And as we say all the time, communication is what ties everything together. And they couldn't properly communicate doing airsoft or paintball because the mask. Mm-hmm. So I reach out to a team guy buddy. I'm like, hey, I know you did like some events for kids and you had laser tags. Like, can you give me that guy's info? So he sends it to me. I look it up. I'm like, oh, these these aren't what you would think for laser tags. They're pretty legit. Reach it's out. not looking like a Nerf laser no, tag. No, it's not. Thing. Look, it's, it's not like, like neon green. And which, it, by the way, props to Nerfs. I've, I know you've heard me talk about this. Those Nerf guns, the Nerf laser tag guns that I raised my kids with, are freaking legit for teaching tactics. By the way, just FYI. Yeah, just I mean, props to Nerf. If you're teaching your kids that, yes. <laughs> um, how it wasn't what we needed for the FTX program, and we had a client that was that told us, "Hey, we want to do this," but they're 
we cannot do airsoft or paint. We cannot have any safety risks. I'm like, okay. So I reach out to team guy buddy, gives me the info. I look up 35 minutes from my house, from when we had just moved there to Texas. And I'm like, okay, thank you, Lord. I go meet the guy. Guy was a veteran. I explained to him what we're trying to do. And he's like, well, I'm actually changing these systems to where they looked very realistic. And I was like, okay, this is awesome. So we invest into them. And so we have the gear, the sensors. And so what we do is we just, Cody and the guys, they give an awesome class on, hey, here's how you use these taggers. These taggers are tools, just like you have tools at work. Like you, in order for you to get the job done, your tool has to be used properly. So we explain to them how to use the taggers. And so when, if we have somebody that's super nervous, I'm, I've had people say, I'm not comfortable with guns. And I'm like, that's good. You shouldn't be comfortable around guns unless you have training. That's a, that's a good feeling that you have. But once you understand the use of weapons, you shouldn't be scared if you know how to use them properly. And I told this lady, I was like, it's the same thing for these taggers. One, these taggers can't hurt you. That's why we invested into them. So even if you accidentally pull the trigger and it's pointed at you or somebody's face, you won't hurt them. And the lady's like, okay, that's good. I could, she was super well yeah. tight. And rightfully so. She had yep. never been around a weapon or a toy gun at all. And then, um, which for me, it was a realization of like the things I just take for granted of just my, what I've been around, just it's not normal for most people. And so that was when we really shifted over to hey, let's make them feel as comfortable as possible. Like if they're not doing something right, make sure we're not being like, hey, you know, getting onto them like we would team guys or Marines. Because team guys and Marines are very good at going back to that default of like, hey, you stupid. Like, <laughs> okay, they've never done this before. So we have all the guys there and they're like helping them put on the sensors and hey, you want to plug in the sensor. And we go through a class and we say, hey, these are your SOPs for how to use them throughout the day before you, you know, you, you get your Intel, you plan the mission, you brief the mission, you get approval. Then you've got to go find the key guy. The key guy is going to turn on your guns. That key guy is a minimum wage employee. That's only job is to turn on your guns. Every single time we get that brief, every company is like, Oh, we got one of those guys. <laughs> it's just a minimum wage person that affects whether they can go do their job. The learning point there is, how do you treat that key guy? And we've had everything from, hey, motherfucker, you need to get our guns on because we're running late. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I wonder how. See how that works out for you. Yeah. Excuse my language to all my church friends that are listening. <laughs> I apologize. But that's like. You were quoting someone. Yeah, but that's the extreme. <laughs> like, we will have that. And we're, we're like. So we go, right. we give the class. And then we let them have fun. Like, all right, hey, shoot the guns. Yeah. Like, shoot them as fast as you can. Here's how you reload it. We teach them how to put, like, a basic patrol. And right. I always tell them, like, hey, guys, these are not tactics. These are the basics. These are tools, single file, dual column. Here's how you get a head count. Um, and so we give them enough tools to where they can actually go be successful in the first couple runs based off of the level of those first couple runs. Mm -hmm. Um when you talked about, it was interesting just to, just to point out, you were talking about the amount of stress that gets created. And I just wanted to say that a lot of times people think, oh, well, you know, these are SEALs. They must be talking about all this physical stress. But it's actually almost no physical stress. It's all, it's all mental stress. It's all the confusion, the chaos, the mayhem. And because the, the physical 
This isn't a physical evolution. No, no. This isn't a no. physical evolution. There's yep. no, in fact, you don't allow people to sprint or run. That, that's part of the in brief. No running. Absolutely no running for, and for multiple reasons. One, safety. Like, hey, if you run, you roll your ankle, you hurt yourself, you trip, fall, you hit a tree, you're one of these buildings. Now you're done and you've taken away from the purpose of the training. The purpose of the training is for us to work on our leadership skills, for you to actually go through the runs. And I always tell the story of like when you're running trade it, when somebody would do something they're not supposed to, you would say, hey, stop doing the enemy's job. You get arrested out in town, you can't deploy, you get in a fight, you break your hand, you can't deploy, you can't run training, you can't do whatever. You've done the enemy's job. So I always, we tell them that to make it real, like, hey, don't do the competition's job by taking you out of this training. You need to finish this training. People are always like, is when you say don't do the competition's job, mm. I love, I love watching people's, looks on people's faces. body posture change. And I mean, we, so to go back to that lady, she didn't even want to touch the tagger. And I'm like, cool, just, hey, you know what? Here, let's get you a chair. We, we brought her a chair. We had her sit down there. We're like, hey, just watch, just watch the class. By the time we get done with the class, she comes up. She's like, hey, do you have an extra like <laughs> setup for me? And I'm like, Cowie will get you taken care of. And she goes over, Cowie gets her sized up, runs through her like, hey, real quick, let's make sure you're good with it. And that lady was a rock star. Yeah, well, if you, if you think about it from somebody that's maybe not familiar at all with the military, not familiar at all with mm -hmm. weapons, and they're just intimidated by it, and then they sit off to the side and go, oh, wait a second, this is legitimately like they're playing tag, Yep. but they have teams. This is a game that we're about to play. And I, I think I should play this game. Mm -hmm. And we're not gonna get hurt. And so that's another thing, you know, we'll work with companies, well, you know, we, we got people that aren't in the best physical condition. Can they walk down a hallway? Then, then they can do this mm -hmm. training. And what's interesting, so we're saying all this stuff, look, you can't run, you can't get hurt, you can't shoot, or you're, you're not gonna shoot somebody, um, no one's gonna get injured. You throw all those things out, it's like, oh, well, that might be kind of lame, right? Mm -hmm. And here's the thing, I was just thinking about like Chief Shy, freaking police chief. Oh, yeah. When the first time he came through one of these things, totally blown away. FTX because one. it's the f the leadership lessons that you learn, mm -hmm. and we got we got all kinds of vets going through. Going, God, I wish I would have had this when I was in the military. Yep. So believe me, even though it is, even though it is like, it's it's contained and it's presented in a way that is very safe and very professional. Professional. And very um, almost. This is the word I was looking for. I was trying to find the word benign. It mm. seems benign. It's like, oh wait a second, we're like we can't even run, and we're just gonna be moving around, and these are just laser tag guns. It seems super benign. You'd think, oh, this sounds like it's not gonna be that big of a deal, and then you go to run number three, oh, where good. people are like, I need someone else over here. Yeah. We got another, and we have guys sprinting. Total chaos. Yeah, you're not supposed to run, and people are sprinting. People are going crazy. People are losing their minds. People are giving orders that don't make any sense. All this stuff happens from a benign laser tag system. Mm -hmm. That's what happens. That's what unfolds. It's crazy. I mean, we've actually we we had a guy that had um, multiple sclerosis. To he's just like I mean he had like a cane and so we were doing the classes he was sitting in a chair my guys like took care I remember watching how my guys took care of him without me even having to say anything and mm -hmm. I 
Shocker. Got a little emotional watching that because I was like, my guys know it. They get it. You know what I mean? Like Cody and Cowery taking care of this guy. And he, this guy had the biggest smile on his face because he felt – because I know when he showed up, I remember he pulled me aside and was just like, hey, I'm probably not going to be able to do anything. And you could tell he was upset because he wanted to mm-hmm. be a part of it. And then when the guys were taking care of him, like for him saying like, oh, this is cool. It's on. It's on. <laughs> to the point where our guys were like, cool, all right, he can't keep up the group. He's not going to be able to walk we can drive them out to the play field. And so we would drive them out there. The role players would drive them off as a sniper mm-hmm. and he would be put in places. And it was awesome. Cause I'm listening to the radio and I'm hearing the role players go, dang it. This guy keeps picking us off. And he was a huge part of the training. Um, you know, this one lady came through and she's like, Hey, I just got done with my chemo. You know, I, I'm not going to be able to do too much. And we're like, okay, cool. Do what you can. We have positions for you. You can shadow me and, act as the ground force commander and relay information. And it was after two runs, she was like, hey, can I get in there and actually have a position of leadership? And I said, absolutely. We changed up the, the reorg and it was cool seeing people who showed up with these self-imposed limitations. Mm-hmm. They they came up with these excuses, for lack of a better word, for me, and I'm not mean this to them in a derogatory term if they're listening, but they had these excuses as to why they wouldn't be able to perform. And then when they realized that that was all BS, that that was imposed upon by themselves, nobody else gave them those limitations. They gave them to themselves and they saw like, oh, actually I can be a part of this. Oh, I can actually lead. Oh, I can actually do this. I can learn. It's incredible. I mean, just the transformation that you see from, and we had a lady who was like, we, we gave out the leadership. She comes up. She goes. When you say gave out the leadership, what you mean by that is you assign leadership for yes. different iterations. Yes. Okay. Each here's who in charge a, of this. Yes. Right. Each run has a new set of leaders. So, you, you, like you're saying, your your company of 20 people, everybody's going to go through multiple positions of leadership, to where they feel all the different like stresses. OIC officer in charge, assistant officer in charge, squad leaders, fire team leaders, or just a shooter, where you're just trying to listen and do the work. It's it's incredible. But this lady and you'll comes, learn something new in each one of those levels and you'll see things differently from each one of those levels and you'll become a better leader by serving in each one of those levels. Like Denver Witten from Dagan Construction came to FTX 001 and he was like super frustrated. Like, And he's a very motivated, very smart dude, has a very successful construction company out in the Phoenix, Arizona area. And he came out to it and he was just like kind of, I remember, I remember watching him and listening to him, the comments he would say about the other guys. And then he got put in a position of leadership. And I think he said it to Leif. I'm pretty positive. He goes, I now know what my team feels. I now know what my team feels. And I've been doing all these same. And it was for him to have that aha moment. And then two weeks later, he hit us up or now a week and a half later. He goes, Hey, I need to run an FTX for, 50 of my employees. So we did two days of FTX training with a half day classroom on the back end of how do you implement strategically? How do we implement all these takeaways? So you see all this stuff happening real time from all different walks of life. It's, it's ridiculous. So I cut you off. You were talking about a female. Yes. So thank you. Cause I was like, what, where did we go on this one? (laughs) Um, so we give out the leadership. And she comes up and makes a comment and goes, well, that's a mistake putting females in charge. And I look at her and this is from a company where <laughs> they have a culture where if you say something offensive, like you you get in a lot of trouble. And I looked at her, I'm like, 
if somebody else said that to you, would you find that appropriate? And she just pauses. She goes, well, I'm just being real right now. I'm like, well, that's actually a lie. Saying that just because a female is in charge is going to go bad. I'm like, that's a lie. I was like, I know a lot of badass females that run companies that are kicking ass. I know a lot of badass female leaders in the military that did some phenomenal things. I'm like, don't. Oh, so she was like serious when she said that? Oh, she was dead serious. She wasn't, mm. she was dead serious. Like, oh, okay. just like, this is going to be horrible. Like body posture, like, like gun oh, down to the side. Yeesh. Like, and I was like, okay. So immediately I'm like, there's something there. Like there's something deeper there, obviously for her to, to be like, she was not thrilled and just thought it was gonna be bad. So I talk with Carlos and Cody, like we give the Intel, pull them aside. I'm like, Hey, we just keep an eye on her. We need to like pour into her because she thinks it's going to be horrible. Like we need to make sure she gets the burp and Los and Cody were like, yep, got it. Cool. We go do the run. Obviously we put a bunch of stress on her. So we wanted her to feel it like we do everybody. Mm -hmm. It wasn't any different, but we were just very mindful of making sure we we're watching. And I, you know, cause we've had some people come to the training where they just stop. They're like, Hey, I, I can't do this. this is too much. I'm like, yes, you can. Come, come over here real quick. Let's talk through it. And they're like, okay. And this one guy was like, I, that was all me. I put too much stress. Sorry. I won't let that happen again. Self-imposed stress. It man. was to the point where the guy yep. wanted to stop training. God. He tried to physically stop the training. So I want to make sure this didn't happen to this lady. Just FYI, if you feel like you are too stressed, this is a massive red flag that's telling you to detach, take a step back, take a breath, which is as soon as you, you said that guy, okay, just step back, take a breath. He's like, oh, okay, I can see what's going mm -hmm. on. All right. I'm ready to rock and roll. Yeah. And, and and so I really felt like I just, I knew there was something else with, with this lady. And so we get back from the run. It it was hard, but guess what? They accomplished what they were supposed to accomplish. We get done with the run. We're doing the debrief. And it's in one of my notebooks. I, I remember I wrote down what she said. Um, but the greater point was just the limitations she had. And I asked her, because she said something, her takeaway was, uh, don't limit what you're capable of. And I, that was like awesome. And I said, expand upon that a little bit. And she goes, well, I just, I didn't think I would be capable of this position. And I said, why? She goes, well, it's, it's a little bit deeper. I'm like, what do you got? <laughs> like, this is a, like, this is the time for, let's talk through it. I said, if you're comfortable, if you're comfortable with it, she goes, well, for my past, I said, okay. And I know I'm like riding a line that this could go really <laughs> bad, close. but I also knew it was an opportunity that if we could talk through something that she never has to go through again, or just is able to let go of something, then our day has been worth it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, that's what we're here for is stuff like this, because that's going to make her a better leader. If she can let go of these, you know, limitations that she's put on herself, she goes, well, when you come from another career where your life was threatened and you know, you, you know, your life was actually threatened. She goes, because you weren't doing what you should have done. She was like, I, I, I carry that. What was her old job? We didn't ask. Mm. I, I just didn't feel like it was a time. Um, I should have afterwards just mm. to get a little more like, I guess information or yeah. situational awareness. But you know, and, and we talked through it. And I said, "Well, hey, I'm I'm glad that you came to that realization. Like, these are one of the, that's the purpose of the training is for us to feel these things and realize, like, hey, 
these tools work when we use them and all the other stuff that we have in our mind, it, a lot of it's all BS because it's, that's not the reality. And then we did our end of the day debriefs, like our key takeaways. So we do all the runs, we rotate through different positions. And then at the very end, it's like, Hey, what was, what was your biggest takeaway that you're going to leave this training with to implement back home? And hers was, you know, same thing. Like, I'm not going to let my past define me. She goes, today is a fresh start. Mm-hmm. And I, I always try to explain that when I'm talking with clients. It's like, that's what you did when you came in and tasked you in a bruiser. Hey, we're not tasking a Bravo. We're tasking a bruiser. All the other stuff doesn't matter. Like, this is who we are and this is what we're going to do. And I like to also tie that in t- when I'm talking about Ramadi. You know, when we talk about like, hey, will you come back from deployment? When we talk about the cost and the burden and all that stuff, I try to make it very clear when I'm talking with individuals or large groups, like we're all going to have those dark times. We're all going to have those things from our past that could hold us back if we allow them to. But if that's all we focus on, like anger, frustration, darkness, guilt, doubt, all that, it gets us nowhere. And I know we've talked about this multiple times, but what you have to focus is the lessons that you've learned. And more importantly, what are you going to do going forward? And that's a big thing that we talk about in the field training exercise. It's like, yes, hey, you guys made mistakes, but what are we going to do going forward as a group? If we're not sitting and debriefing and coming up with new standard operating procedures, we're wasting our time. If we were just to reorg and like, all right, hey, new leadership, go, new leadership, go, new leadership, go, there wouldn't, there would not be that progression that we get if it wasn't for the debriefs. And the debriefs are an awesome opportunity for you to do some self-reflection. And that's what's powerful is that self-reflection. Yeah, well, what, what's interesting about that is this this training program in situations like this, which I've seen and you've seen, when it goes beyond business application, beyond the combat application, obviously beyond the business application, and it starts to get into people's souls mm. and sitting there listening to people debrief, seeing grown men weeping yeah. because they realize that they've made mistakes in their lives, seeing you know women apologizing for behavior that they know they, they shouldn't have done and it was negatively impactful to their family. Like seeing those deeper, those deeper changes that's always uh it's always amazing to see that this stuff applies and gets through yeah. gets through to people's souls it does i mean one of our larger field training exercise clients one of their upper executives you know the company i'm talking about everyone that we've been interacting with since 2018 running these ftx's all of those key leaders they they don't just know the principles they actually live the principles. They apply them. They believe in them. And guess what? Every single one of those individuals has grown within the ranks, like multiple tiers of now high-level executive leadership positions. And the individual I'm talking about, he's just been in the game since day one with us, helped us bring the program to them. He sent me a text, and I always forward him to you and Leif and, and Jamie and Dave, just so we're all aware of like the impact that we're truly delivering. I know we know it. And I always give it to my team. And I, I like to, if I'm in person with the guys, be like, hey, just so you guys know, this is what you're a part of. And as we grow this, you're going to have more and more and more of this. 
Because if we do what we teach and we do it the right way, which we are, you all are going to have teams eventually running this training. And this is what you need to focus on is the impact that we deliver. Everything else, it's important, but it's the impact that we deliver. That's what you have to, like, strategically, that's what I want you guys thinking about. And he sent this text where one of his his executives that works directly, is his direct report said, that training fed my soul. Thank you. I didn't realize it's what I needed. I was like, holy crap. It's just, it's incredible to see that impact. And I wrote this down. It's one of the things you're talking about is when you were running training, you said, literally, we could almost do whatever we wanted. So I wrote down wide boundaries, leadership capital, withdrawal, return on investment. So it reminded me of when we went back and you were running training and we literally could do whatever we wanted. And the reason why is because the training we produced delivered results. It, we had guys come back from deployment saying, the hard training you guys put us through kept us alive. It kept us alive. And I remember when I was being an absolute jackass at training, I want to be very clear. I've said this multiple times. I always want, I know I'm in a unique position working at Echelon Front. I wasn't this phenomenal leader in the SEAL teams. I wasn't like Seth or Leif or you or Dave. I was in some unique positions and there was times where I was a good leader, but I also know that I was a jackass and that I was, you know that I was that that guy that my leadership had to deal with. So there's I do no, have there's no unique, one on the te- there's no one at the Echelon Front team that doesn't have that caveat, bro. No one. Just FYI. Yeah, but I, I mean, we want to start pulling apart. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah. You, know, you want to go it. deep? How deep you want to go? I know, but <laughs> there's no one. That's why we're here. Yes, and I know, but I also know that because I have that background perspective, I do at times appeal to a larger base than some of the other instructors because. I can relate to all the different levels and I, and I get that. So I want to be, when I'm like talking through this stuff, I want to be like, I don't think I was this phenomenal, like perfect leader in the military. I was a good team guy. I think, I think I was a good team guy. I believed in the mission. And I remember when you pulled me aside because I was struggling with some personal stuff that was starting to affect me professionally. That's when you told me like, Hey, your job, is to be the best damn instructor that you can be so that we don't have to put our uniform on to go to another funeral. And I know I've shared that story before multiple times. It was when I realized that it it just changed my perspective. And when we started delivering that impact, that's why we were able to do whatever with, with training. And because the amount of leadership capital that you built within our community by delivering the absolute best training, it allowed us to make large withdrawals. But if you make a large withdrawal that has a high return, you're actually at a higher level when you come back. It's like basic investing. I'm gonna pull $100 out, but it's gonna make me $150. Cool, keep doing that. Every time you've ever made a withdrawal in your career, especially in tasking and bruiser and I trade it, the return on that investment was ridiculous. And that's what we try to tell companies like, Hey, if you're going to make a withdrawal, there better be a large investment. 
there better be a large investment. And the more relationships you have within your team, the more trust, the more trust you have, the more influence, and you can actually go out and do those things. And that's what people see real time in the training. Yeah, I remember um, you had a situation, there was a, a safety incident took place, and the report came back. If we hadn't just gone through this training, this would have been a complete disaster. If we hadn't just gone through this FTX training, this is a, um, let, let's say a, a, a Oh yeah, a company that does dangerous work, you know, mm-hmm. dangerous construction type work. They had an, a safety incident take place, and they reported if we hadn't been through this training, whatever it was, two weeks ago, this would have been an unmitigated disaster. Yeah. We were able to get control of it, prioritize and execute, and decentralized command. We made things happen and got the problem solved much quicker than we would have had we not been through this yeah. training. So I've talked with the leadership about that, and I asked like, hey. How can I share this? What can I share? Because I know some of it's sensitive. So I'll, I'll, I'll share what I know we can share. There was actually a death on a job site. And it was, we had been running a week of FTX training. And it was on a Friday. It was a beautiful day. And I remember we came back from one of our runs and I was looking around and I could see people's posture changing as they were looking at their phones. And one of the guys comes up to me and he has tears in his eyes and he said, hey, one of our guys just got killed on a job site. And it brought me back to when when Seth was like, hey, Mark just got killed. It, it brought me right back to them. And I remember sitting and going, wow. That's all I could think about is just like, I, I didn't think I was dealing with this stuff anymore. And so I said, all right, you know, you guys kind of let me know. I'll give you guys some time to kind of think about it. And everyone's kind of like checking and they're talking and there's a few people crying and they're upset. And so I make an announcement to the FTX team and, and to the, the client, uh, you know, and I just shared with them. I said, hey, you know, hey, I told you, you guys deal with human life just like we did in the SEAL teams. And you guys have a very dangerous job, but it's a very critical job as well. If you guys don't do what you do, people can suffer. Like people's lives and businesses can suffer bad. So it's necessary that you guys do your job, but it's very dangerous. And so we, we go through this whole talk and I, you know, I said, hey, I know one of you guys have to leave because it's actually your, your teammate. I said, you guys have hit all the training objectives. And so we can be done. And this would be a good day of training. Or we can do one more run. And we can do it to honor this gentleman that just got killed. Because I'm telling you right now, Leadership is what's gonna solve every problem within this organization. If we pulled the thread, there was a leadership failure somewhere that allowed this complacency to creep in and this individual just got killed. Because what this guy was doing, he had done thousands of times over his career. It was literally thousands of times. And so we finished the run, we finished the day strong. That was a Friday. We had another week with them that we were supposed to do at the end of that month. Two days later, we get an email from the leadership saying, hey, we'd like to talk to you guys about you know, some stuff. So we, we get on a phone call with them. And they're like, hey, can we do another two to three weeks worth of training before the end of the year? We're like, uh, I don't know if we can. We might, I think we might have a two-week block open in December, but December in your region is miserable. And they're like, here's the deal. So they t- the reason why is because when the executives showed up on this location where this individual had been killed, it was a situation they'd never seen before. 
because there was no pointing of fingers. There's nobody blaming. It wasn't the union blaming corporate, corporate blaming union. There was none of that. When they showed up, everything would have been taken care of. The executive leadership was being told what they needed to go do. Hey, we're already doing this. You guys need to go do this. Boom, 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 boom. Everything had been taken care of. And there was no blame. There was no arguing. None of that. And then the CEO and some of the other leaders sat down with the union president and some other leaders and was like, hey, how do we make it to where this never happens again? And a union president said, we go all in with the Echelon Front Leadership Training. That's the only thing that's going to keep this from happening again. And the CEO goes, okay. And the executives are like, all right, we'll see what we can do. And that's when they came back to us and said, hey, we, need, we want another two to 300 leaders put through this training. And so we put 400 leaders through that training in 2018. 2019, we're supposed to do a bunch more. And we have continued to have a great working relationship with this, with this client. But it was a union president that was telling the executives, we need to go all in with this training because he saw firsthand. Well, the reason why everything was running so smooth at that fatality was the leaders had gone through our training earlier that week, that's that same week. And, you know, it was, you know, I've had a few members from that company go, it was a complete godsend that we had your guys' training that week because it was a real, it was a real hard thing for them to handle. And I mean, they've also explained to us like how their culture has changed. I mean, it's been a drastic and you know, you yeah. know, some of the details yeah, awesome. of just change. And it's just, you know, when, when we talk about complacency and leadership solving people's problems and we kind of get personal and we explain to them like, Hey, that problem is a leadership problem. That is a leadership problem. And you allow complacency to creep in. People get offended at first. They, they get offended, but then we kind of change the tone. Like, let's pull the thread. If we pull the thread enough, it goes back to a leadership problem that allowed the complacency to creep in. Because if we go to war with that complacency and we combat it and we do what we're supposed to do, we mitigate all those things. That's what we talk about being default aggressive. That's what we tell people. Hey, default aggressive isn't a mindset for victory against another human being. Now in combat, yes, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about being default aggressive to improve a relationship, work on your communication, being default aggressive to mitigate safety risks. And if you're not allowing that complacency to creep in because of the leadership that you have, because the culture, culture is the ultimate form of decentralized command. And so if your team knows what they're supposed to be doing, they don't cut the corners. Therefore, we keep our people safe. And it enables, like you were talking about in that scenario, like, hey, I'm not having junior leaders step up. They see in, a, in, in, in the scenarios that we run, there's a void of leadership. Guess what we should do? Oh, Johnny, step up. I don't have an armband. I'm not a leader. And I just look and I tilt my head and they're like, roger that. <laughs> you know, And it, it's, just, it's amazing. Yeah, it's it is, you know, all all problems are leadership problems and what does that mean? The beautiful thing about that is that means leadership is the solution. And that means that we can solve <laughs> and, the problems. And we can solve these problems. It's liberating. And that is a a powerful powerful thing. Um hey man. I mean, we work with so many different companies. I was going to I was about to I was about to close it, but it's like, hey, that's one company. And we work with all these different companies. I know. Tech companies. 
financial yes. companies, uh, manufacturing companies, construction companies, energy companies, and just every different facet and every different type of group, you know, from the tech world to the financial world and the lessons are learned and the the culture is changed and leadership rises to the surface to be the solutions to problems that these companies have. Yeah, I have to show I have to show love for Groundworks because you talk about a client that's in the game. For sure. I mean Matt Malone, I call him Mr. Malone, he always gets pissed off at me. He's like, <laughs> it's Matt and I'm like, okay. I have a real I can't just do that. I have a hard time. I can't, you know, Ever since I was a kid, that's the way I was raised. But Matt at Groundworks, I mean, he saw the power of extreme ownership. He read the book and was like, hey, this is this is what I've been looking for. Came to a muster, paid for some guys to go to the muster with them. Came back, was like, hey, we want to engage with you guys. We did a we did a, tr- a, a little trial FTX with, with a bunch of their leaders. And when they saw that FTX, they're like, okay, we need this. I won't get into the, all the details of how they run their business and what they're doing, but I can tell you, they are extremely su- successful, growing, expanding, dominating the marketplace, like dominating. And one of the cool things that they do is every small to me- every company they acquire, their, their goal is they're acquiring small to medium companies in their industry. Within 90 days, they run an FTX. It's legit. And the reason why they do that is to show this new company that they acquired their commitment to them to develop them as leaders to give them hope to give them like the tools to lead and be successful and he says there's no better program out there to implement the lessons and the principles that we need but also to tie in the culture yeah because it's it's like hey this is how we do things at groundworks you're now part of our tribe yes you're still this company right you're whatever that company is you're still them but you're also part of our tribe and it's, I mean, just to see, like, I get the goosebumps, like, to see companies that are that committed, to see an individual like Matt that that's com- that is that committed to their company's growth and development, it, it's impressive. And I just shared with you one of the personal examples of that guy that pulled me aside recently was. Yeah, I mean, just it's incredible. Yeah, it's a it's a huge impact, and that's a, a great example, like you said, of the of a company that is just taking these taking these leadership principles, been applying them, continuing to applying them, applying them at scale, Yes, which is awesome, and continuing to see success after success after success. That's, that's another great example of the many companies that we work with that go out there, take these principles, implement them, and dominate. Yeah, and it shows them one thing that I've written down I wanted to hit is the importance of like, like the diversity of people's, like different people's ideas and backgrounds. Um, that's one of the things I was talking with the company. I'm like, the reason I feel, one of the reasons why the SEAL teams were so successful is because we have like true diversity of skill sets and thoughts in, in how we conduct business. Hey, I can have a, a platoon full of 18 Jockos and that's going to be an awesome platoon. But he doesn't have all the things that yeah. I need. You not know? as good as a platoon full of 18 different people. Yes. For not even close. Yes. And I only see what things one way, my one perspective, way. and that's not what we want. I want to nope. have 18 different perspectives. Yes, and that's what people see real time in the FTX program is as everyone's rotating through different positions of leadership, we, we actually we developed this workbook for them so that afterwards they can capture their, their takeaways, and you see the, the takeaways 
evolving as the day goes on because there's all these different ideas and thoughts and the diversity of a company that now they say like, oh, so-and-so, like her ideas are awesome. His ideas are awesome. Let's get them to work together. And at the end of the day, when they start working together, when they start applying the principles, it sucks for my role players. Yeah. Well, that's that's what I was talking to earlier when we kicked this thing off. I was talking about a SEAL platoon. And I was like, oh, you got all these different types of people in a SEAL platoon. And you got some smart guys. You got some educated guys. You got some uneducated guys. You got some short guys, some tall guys, some slow guys, some fast guys. You got somebody that was born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Mm-hmm. You got someone that was raised in the ghetto. You got all these different people with all these different perspectives. And that makes that platoon strong. That's what it is. It's not like you said, 18 Jockos, cool, that's great, but that's not as powerful as 18 individuals that all bring a different perspective, a different mindset, a different viewpoint, and that's what makes a platoon strong is all the differences that people have. You you get to see more. You get to see the problem. You get to see a problem from multiple different angles. Mm -hmm. You know, when when we go out in the field and do a reconnaissance of a target, we don't just look at the target from one side. No. We do a clover leaf around the target. We we back out, we go in from another angle. We back out, we go in from another angle. We go all the way around so we can see as many different angles of the problem so that we can figure out how to solve it. So if you have 18 Jockos, that's one viewpoint. If you have 18 individuals, you got that clover leaf. You get to see as much of that target as you can possibly see, and that's how you're gonna solve the problems. I'm smiling because you're saying the clover leaf. I just I watched Cody do this with a group uh, the other week. They're briefing their plan, and they're just kind of sitting there listening, and you could tell, like, it wasn't the right plan. And so what him and Carlos do, instead of saying, hey, you should do this, they just ask questions. Hey, what if, like, so I say, you have your guys right here, and you have your guys right here. And so they're split. So that would be split Mm -hmm. forces, right? So we want to make sure they know what we're talking Mm -hmm. about. And Carlos just goes, if somebody pops up the middle, you have to shoot, like, well, would you be able to shoot them? And it's all, every single time, like the, the client who has zero tactical yeah. training goes, oh, that's, yeah, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't split forces. We're like, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> and Cody built this train map for the large client that we have, that we have all the work with. He built a actual 3D terrain map of the play fields that we use. And they were going through some stuff. And Cody just grabbed the OIC who was on one side of the table looking at it and brings them around to the other side. It was like, hey, what do you see? And you're, this is nothing major, but just the changing of that guy's perception from over here, he saw it in a different way. He goes, yeah, we shouldn't probably go up that way. And Cody's like, I like your plan. Check. Hey, you, you've been talking about a bunch of our corporate clients, but also, yep. what was it, last year? Was that last year we started the first FTX, individual yep. FTX? Well, this so, year, March. Okay, so if somebody wants to, like, let's say I'm just Fred and I, this sounds awesome, and I got, I got a small company. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't bring an echelon front to teach my company because I only got 22 employees, yep. but I got three people. Yep. My main, you know, subordinate, my two team leaders. I want to bring them. So we have a program for that too. And so, how's that work? Yeah. So we have the individual program, the individual FTX program, to where an individual, like you just said, can sign up and come to the training. Or a guy like Denver Wetton, who's like, I think I want this, but I'm not sure. Like, let me go test it out. He came to the training, tested it out. Immediately, was like, I need two days worth <laughs> of this training. Um, and so we. When's had, the next one? The next one is in April. Um, I, I want to say April. So it's not the dates aren't locked down yet. No. 
I'd have to pull up my calendar. Okay, but we'll, we'll go to echelonfront.com, yep. go to, go to um, events, events, muster, individual one. So FTX004, it's going to be in Dallas-Fort Worth, so we're going to be back in Dallas again. In April. In April. So it's kind of cool. Yes, it's nice. the weather's going to be perfect. Yes. And it's, so it's the last week in April, whatever that Monday, Tuesday is. I want to say okay. like 23rd, 24th, something like that, um, that we'll be having that one in April. And then we're looking, depending on how that one sells out, we have some, we already have corporate clients that are like putting locks in our calendar yeah, in 2022 for FTXs. I know. So FTX 005 and 006, we're not sure those dates and locations yet, but right now, and it's gonna sell out. Every, the first three sold out, uh, it's gonna be in April. So an individual can sign up for it. It's two full days of training. So you're getting two full days of those field training exercises. Well, we'll do the check-in meet and greet on Sunday, uh, give out the uh, pre-mission bags with all their gear. Um, and then on Monday, we start the class, we do overview, we give the classes, and then they're running missions all day. We have a, a team dinner. Um, and then like kind of open Q and a with you, Leif, myself, and then on Tuesday, full day run of missions, and then we'll do jujitsu afterwards as well. Yeah. And, um, awesome debrief at the end to kind of yes. capture and make sure yep. everyone gets it. Well, freaking right on. Um, awesome. I'm f- so glad you came to Echelon front <laughs> and you're taking this thing and running with it. It's just, it's amazing to see the impact, uh, on individuals, on companies, on businesses, on teams. It's just how freaking awesome and that we're able to take these lessons and, and pass them on and people can put them to use to go out there and just and just do what they're supposed to do in the world. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Well thank you for the opportunity once again. <laughs> yeah. Uh Echo Charles. <laughs> yes sir. We're over here, you know, we're running FTXs and yeah. we're uh Big time. we're doing jujitsu, we're lifting. Sure. You know, lifting. <laughs> yes. yes Learning, leading, right? Seems like we might want to get all the help we could get in some of these departments what you know it's true what do we support, got for support recommendations uh well well we can talk about a lot of stuff but you know in the physical capability realm okay yeah we do uh appreciate the support when we can get it uh-huh. yeah. wait jp's here why don't we just talk about sour apple sniper all day oh well you know we, we could <laughs> we could jp okay let's rewind you're at trade at with me how many energy drinks are you drinking a day Oh. What do you think your What do you think your worst, like your max energy drinks a day, was? And we're talking like the big ones that had the big 300, ones 300 milligrams, milligrams per. Oh, that was six to seven, eight. Oh, I know it's not good. Like I, yeah, that's bad. That's bad. No, it's real bad. Yes, sir. It's a freaking disaster. Oh, it was absolutely, yeah. God. All right. So you know those memes where people are like. This is my body, like with all the check lights, like all the oh, check, yeah. check lights, lights all over the place. Like, yeah, that was <laughs> that was you. Me, I trade at me on the outside doing sales at a financial company. It's been me for a long time, but not anymore. Thank yeah. God. Like, I know we're talking about the game changer. And, and, and you know, like, whatever, say whatever you want about me. I don't have. I could not make something like that and sell it to people. I couldn't. Yeah. Uh, as far as I'm concerned. I might as well be a drug dealer. That 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 is a drug dealer. That is a that is a person that is given freaking crystal methamphetamine to people and and knowing that they're going to de- get addicted to it, knowing that you're hurting their health, probably going to kill them and you don't care cuz I'm making money. I could not do that from a moral standpoint as a human. Couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah. Zero chance. 
And yet, I kind of felt like I got to do something because otherwise people are out there, they're visiting the meth dealers, right? <laughs> Going to 7-Eleven, there's a meth dealer in there yeah. in, a, in a freaking uh, uh, icebox. And there's a short-term benefit that you need, that I need sometimes, that Echo Charles needs sometimes. Hey, you need, hey, look, it's a long day, whatever. It's last night I got, I don't know, I guess I got like three and a half hours of sleep. I actually woke up at 4.30. I was like, okay, if I'm not feeling it, I'm gonna go back to bed. I was like, I need more sleep. I tried to go back to bed. I couldn't go back to bed. I couldn't go back to sleep. So I just got up, worked out, and, but then I, then, then we're in here. I'm tired. Or I was tired when I showed up. Then I, so what do I need? I need something to help get over that fatigue. Mm-hmm. What do I need? Oh, I'm gonna have one of these things. Do I wanna go down to do the crack house and buy some rocks? Cause that's gonna hype me up too, right? <laughs> it's gonna hype me up, right? That's a terrifying thought. <laughs> Don't it, go on crack. Yeah, it's gonna hype me up, but guess what? It's gonna kill me. Yes. So <gasps> we're not doing that. No. So we made something that you can drink that's good, literally good for you. Literally, yeah. No downside. Makes you feel hype. Hype, is that a good word? Um, well, Approved, no, disapproved? Uh, is not, you know, you're shaking your head. Hey, I uh, sense it. I'm not there yet, we'll say that. What would be a better word? Uh, I was digging deep through the old know, vocab. I, I, like, I like fired up, that's the traditional uh, one. You don't like that one? Uh, I don't fired, know, fired dude. Up, fired up. I think I'd prefer hype over fired up. <laughs> hype it is, then. my man. JP, anything better than that? I mean, not everyone's going to fully get this, but there's a few times I've cracked these open. I just tell myself, activate. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. you want to get activated. It brings me back to like Jacques was saying, JP, activate on yeah. the radio. And, <laughs> there you go. That's I mean, it. So if you're going to level seven freaking Yeah, if you follow me on Instagram, if you ever see on a post and if I have a hashtag activate, yeah. it's for that. It's just, hey, yeah, just. Yeah. Yeah, so when JP would JP would be the bad more. guy, one of the bad guys, and the platoons would be like trying to work through a problem or whatever, and they'd just be screwing something up, screwing something up, screwing something up, and they needed to pay the man. <laughs> I'd just come up on the radio and be like, JP, activate. <laughs> and he would come out of a spider hole <laughs> or a false wall with a, with a Mark 46 of freaking simunition and just lay waste. I remember one of the times I was like waiting for it. I'm not gonna say his name because he's still in, but his nickname Man Bear Pig. Mm-hmm. So, which was very fitting for this yeah. human being. Yeah, it was terrifying. <laughs> and he was like, now the new LPO, and it's towards my end as I was getting out, and uh, I was just like waiting. I was like, he, he could tell. He's like, hey, he's like, wait, wait until Jocko gives the call. <laughs> and I'm just like a freaking ant, like just like waiting because I was so hyped up. I mean, I. I loved what I did. I loved every single day of being in the SEAL teams. And it's the same thing now at Echelon Front, running these field training. I, I mean, people are like, man, I don't like you. I don't get it. Like, how do you keep going? I'm like, because I love, I literally love what I'm doing. Yeah. And it was like the same thing. He's like, wait, just wait, hold, like, hold, like, hold. And all of a sudden, you're like, JP, activate. And he's like, go. <laughs> just, like, just able to get after it. But So yeah. if you need to activate, activate, I like it. Boom. If you need to activate, freaking crack open one of these and you'll get freaking activated. Kick out that door, start laying to waste with a Mark 46. Yes. Mm-hmm. The right way. By Belt the way. Yes. No, no price. You don't pay no price later. No. No, you just go. We're not doing the freaking Nazi thing, putting mm-hmm. our guys on uh, on meth. 
Yeah, yeah. They deal with the devil. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, what do you need? Oh, you need that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. And then they collect that check afterwards. And, mm-hmm. Right? You're in big trouble sometimes. Insane. Big trouble. We don't that do withdrawal, that. JP yeah, so was talking about. That withdrawal, withdrawal, not what we're looking for. No, 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 no. All good. So, yes, Jocko, discipline, go. Or are we going with Jocko, go? Because it's kind of interchangeable, really. Kind of interchangeable, right? yeah. yeah. That's the energy drink. That's the one that we want. That's the one we want to stick with. Sour, okay. apples, a sour apple sniper, it's a good flavor. Dude, they're all good flavors. Uh, they're they're all good flavors. And I yes, can sir. tell you personally, the FTX program is run and fueled by <laughs> the discipline goes because we get them sent to every location ahead of time. Jack Daniels, just, he's in the game. He takes care of that. I used to do it. And he's like, I got it. I'm like, oh. He's like, JP, I got, we have them at every FTX for our team, for all the prep ahead of days ahead of time, all the stuff they're doing. Um, and then also for the client as well. And we have to put it out. We're like, Hey, you, these are healthy, but you don't need to drink one after every single run. Cause they taste so good. We had one guy, I was like watching and I, I was like, Hey, He's like, what's up? I'm like, come here real quick. He's twitching. Well, no, because you yeah. literally could drink six of these and yeah. it'd be equal to two of those larger drinks from the True. devil. And and so I pull him aside. I'm like, hey, how many? He's like, I've had one after every run. I'm like, you're drinking water for the rest of the day. I'm like, you're good. I, like, down, it's still son. like not an unhealthy level. I said, but man, like you're just, you don't need to be doing that. He's like, they just taste so good. I'm they like, do. Now nah, I want that. I was like, I'll let you in on a little secret. I know that in the future they're talking about hopefully having caffeine free yeah, versions. He's yeah. like, okay. <laughs> Dude, he was so excited. The guy was in the game. We'll get there. Oh yeah. We'll and, get there. And it makes sense because the you know how when you drink a different drink or whatever mm-hmm. you drink one you're like cool you drink two and you're like okay mm-hmm. two's kind of good whether it be the flavor the heaviness of it yeah. or whatever doesn't have that and it has like electrolytes too yeah. so I can dig it he's drinking one after every run yeah, yeah. just feeling it just it's awesome it's going hot. anyway uh, that's yeah, one yes I suggest mango mm-hmm. that's my suggestion mm-hmm. I was talking to a gentleman at biased. the live event a lot of us well, are biased you know, a little bit a little bit biased but hey maybe it's your bias he, too JP you know? said I said they're all good they and are then you all gotta good. throw out the bias okay so one guy he was talking to me he was like hey I'm gonna um, I'm gonna try either the orange or the mango yeah Karen was with me he, he witnessed mm-hmm. this whole thing I, and I said okay you're asking me this okay alright I said I think if you wanna go a little bit more exotic a little bit more risk mango. try mango Yeah. if you wanna go to the the, the, the tried and true you go orange. Yeah, I think uh, sour apple sniper is kind of like on on the same level as mango as far as that goes. I think no, I don't think so. You think it's more I, tried and true? No, I think it's tried and true. Oh, the 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 thing with the sour apple is it's the sour is it's a lot more it's a lot more sweet than sour. I mean, it freaking tastes good. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's sweet. It's freaking sweet. So oh, orange is sweet. Sour apple definitely sweet. Mango has some exotic <laughs> to it. It's, it's still sweet. Yeah, it's sweet. Uh, yeah, so a lot of people, they like, they love, they love, love mm-hmm. it. They think it's like way better, yeah. but then some people are just straight up not down. Actually, one person. For the mango? Yeah. You mean me? Yes, sir. Yes, you're right. You do. I don't like mango. That right. Dax Savage will throw you off because you don't know, and then you taste, you're like, oh. Yeah. Like, why is this so good? Like, you're <laughs> trying to figure it out, and people that love Dr. Pepper. you know Pepper, Dakota Meyer starting a distribution company? Yeah, as he should. Yeah, he's, yeah he just decided he's that. just going to become a yeah. distributor yeah. of the drinks. Yeah. So he started just rolling into places, yeah. and now he's just going on the warpath. So I've, like, not at that level. I think <laughs> so. He he was talking to Amanda about it at the Vegas Muster, <laughs> and she's like, "That's that's amazing." Yeah. Um, 
you know, that's how I got introduced to the new jujitsu gym I'm at is through Dedeco. It's Formiga, right? Yeah. And at his gym, Double Five, and it was setting him up. So I have, I don't even know how many gyms <laughs> I have under me as like wholesalers because I can set up them uh, as same thing. Yeah. And then I found out, uh, um, the Dakota was doing that as well. I was yeah, like, he's oh, doing he's, it at like he's, freaking he's grocery start, stores and stuff. Yeah, dude, <laughs> he's so awesome. It's freaking savage, yeah, dude. So yes, uh, uh, yes. Okay, so sorry. stay in the we'll game with these things. Over here. Oh, oh, good. Of course, very exciting stuff. But yes, stay in the game with all this stuff. Helpful stuff. This is all stuff. I've had today. By the way, I didn't eat breakfast or lunch, and I had one of these yeah. at the house. Same here. Yeah, it's good. Two of the pills with it. <laughs> Just you know, gotta make sure you <laughs> put that in your bottle for the flight. It's yeah. true. Um, also, don't, uh, don't forget about your joints. No, don't forget about you know. Those. You talk about complacency creeping yeah, in. Dude, I can't like, not. But yeah, but sometimes that yeah, that'll come on slowly where you don't notice. Then one day you're looking at be like, man, oh, man, I gotta feel like I gotta warm up just to live my normal life, but you don't want that. No. So no. you take the joint warfare, the super krill super oil, krill. just keep keep everything in line, man. It's good. You'd be happy you did. Also, vitamin D three and cold war. This is for immune immunity. Yeah. Greens, by the way. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the greens. Freaking you were good. saying some good stuff about the greens. They're really good. Yeah, I but you you them. used a particular case. You did. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you were going to go into it. This no, time, I, just, you know, I thought that was like pre-podcast talk, but I guess no, 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 no. All good. Blast. <laughs> Let's say you have uh, some cocktails or some wine with your significant other. Sure. So Amanda and I were having some, <laughs> have some drinks, and uh, you know, the next day I'm like, this is exactly why I don't drink. I don't drink. I don't drink for this reason. Went and grabbed two scoops of the greens. Half water, half apple juice, tasted phenomenal. Felt amazing afterwards. Back in the no, greens, greens, greens is kind of a the greens kind of do, a miracle. You can also do it right before bed, like mm. so. If you have some drinks, and, you know, and maybe you shouldn't be drinking, and but you do, and one or two scoops of the drink of the greens, water right before bed. So we got hangover prevention. Well, we didn't even know it. Official. <laughs> we didn't I'm even know saying, it, but we have it. If we're talking about the, um, you know, how you feel things real mm -hmm. time, like mm -hmm. when I have the greens, I feel really good, really good. Mm -hmm. well, study sample size of one. You know, that's where it starts. Hundred percent for the for the Factual. proof. It's true. Factually. Also, milk. Don't forget about milk. You want some additional We're never protein. Forget about milk. Yeah, yeah. Let's face it. It's hard. It, it's hard to forget about milk. You're Let's right. Face You're it. right. But yes, that's a that's There's a nothing. dessert. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing that you just sit there like you'll be in some random spot and just think, man, I really want a milk well, right now. Be good right that's now, the, yeah. that's yeah. the thing. There's no other. Even steak. Even steak. I won't have a. I won't have a a craving for a steak as much as I will have a random, yes. I really want to mulk right now. Yeah, yeah. That's how tasty have you, have and you mixed soothing. The, have you mixed the greens with the mulk? No, I have not done That's that. Bold. That's bold. That's bold. Think about this. Vanilla Gorilla with the greens. Mm. Getting crazy over here. It's really mixed good. Mixed drinks. Interesting. Yeah, because if you know, yeah. vanilla protein powder with oh, yeah. fruit, right? If, yeah. you're, if you want to make a smoothie, you're going to put some frozen fruit in there. Right. Well, the greens have that fruit flavor, yeah. the pineapple and the coconut, so mm -hmm. it's it's really good. Interesting, because yeah, that's kind of how mo the nature of milk can be, mm -hmm. is you mix some other stuff in there. A lot of, hey, look, I stick with a chocolate, so if I put anything in the chocolate, put a little bit of a frozen banana, yeah. and that's sort of Extra it. ripe. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> the one right there. But yeah, especially with the vanilla, you can mix all kinds of stuff in there. Yeah. Just enhance it. It's good. You know, Tulsi's done a lot of amazing things in her life. 
Yes, sir. And the only thing that you seem to care about is that she told you to put half ripe bananas in your freaking milk, bro. That girl's a damn veteran. Well, she's yeah. a congresswoman. She's yeah. a surfer. She's a fighter. And you're over here talking about rotten bananas going into milk, and that's well, like the deal. Well, let's face Come it. Uh, Tulsi's surfing abilities and you know her service and stuff play less of a role in my day-to-day yeah. life. Check. Okay, you know, point the, taken. But the, I'm just saying that frozen point banana uh, milk. Let's face it. Let's face it. <laughs> kind of a game changer. Yeah, in your you know, daily. She didn't do much know. for you as a as a representative of of Hawaii. <laughs> she didn't do much of you as a combat vet going overseas. That didn't help you out. But day to day, she's all up in that milk. The milk train. She gives good advice. Hey, no, you can get the sick. drinks. You get the drinks at Wawa on the East Coast. We're going into a bunch of other stores right now. I'll keep you posted on all of that. Uh, you can get the you can get everything at Vitamin Shop. Go hook up the Vitamin Shop. And look, you can get all of it at jockofuel.com. And if you subscribe, there's no shipping payment, which is a big deal. Cuz look, let's face it, there's other companies out there. You might have heard of some of these companies and they're get you on this little thing where you're getting stuff shipped to your house for free and that can be hard to compete with how do you compete with it? Just do a little subscription activity. Help us put down the big boys. But if there is an issue with your order, that if you order from jockofuel.com or jermaine.com, then you reach back out to Origin and Jockofuel and they fix it. Mm. The the other ways that you can get yeah. it, like if there's an issue with your order, <laughs> there's an issue with your order, that's yeah. it. Mm. But Jockofuel and Origin, they're gonna resolve that problem. They're gonna Check. take care of it and they're gonna make it right. Yeah, yeah it's true. Also, you, you mentioned Origin, OriginUSA.com. Yeah, it yeah. is Origin Maine too, right? It is, It's all, yeah. it's all, the, all the same gig. Yeah. Um, this is American-made stuff. Denim, boots, belts, wallets, whatever else Pete thinks up. There's a heavy hoodie. I hear yeah. great things. I don't have one, but, you know. That's got to be a bummer. <laughs> That's got to be a bummer. I, I, I understand. You're really. over there with rotten, <laughs> rotten bananas. <laughs> we got heavy hoodies. I just want to know, how did right. you go to immersion camp and not leave with a heavy hoodie? Yeah, huh? Yeah. yeah. I kind of jammed that up, that opportunity. Real slippy over there. <laughs> yeah. I got a cool gig. I got a good gig, so. Yeah. yeah so uh, did everybody that attended immersion camp. You know, one of them. Uh, origin, even, origin USA. Yep. All made in America. Everything from the materials themselves. Yep. Oh, by the way, there's a bunch of people that have been trying to get stuff from overseas, and there's a bunch of ships sitting off the coast of California and New York, and they can't get their stuff in here. Their supply chain is all jacked up. Guess what? We got an American supply chain. An American supply chain. Did I just say that? The whole thing? Every yep. single part of that garment that you're wearing, be it jeans, be it boots, be it a freaking rift gi, doesn't matter. That whole supply chain is right here in America. We're not waiting in the port. We're not we're not paying somebody to have imposed slave labor to build you a freaking pair of jeans and then call them American. No. That's not American. How can a pair of American jeans not be made in America? Answer me, riddle me that, Echo Charles. It's a, it's a hard riddle. You yeah. can't you can't solve it because it's wrong. It's a lie. I understand. We're not doing that. Nope. OriginUSA.com. Boom. Also, Jocko's a store. It's called Jocko Store. I know, nifty name. I get it. But some good right. stuff on there. Discipline equals freedom, shirts, hats, hoodies. Jiu-jitsu is life. Jiu-jitsu is life. Life, yeah. Oh, got a little jiu-jitsu. So there's a jiu-jitsu kind of... Section emerging. Look, look you know? at you, man. Uh, hey, look, look at you with the section. I don't. <laughs> I don't. Um, 
condone not doing jujitsu, choosing not to. I'm right. not going to condone it. Right. But some people don't. Some people do. The people who do, now they got a little section of representation on the path, on the jujitsu path, is being is emerging right now. You know how many people have told me that they've started jujitsu because of the podcast? Yeah. How, how many I, you think? I don't know. Uh, I don't know how many. You know how many people have come up to me and said, "Hey, I started jujitsu because of the podcast, and I really regret it." No, zero. 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 That number is zero. Yeah. If you are listening to the podcast, if you're living human being, go start training jujitsu. Just go start training jujitsu. Start right now. It is then you can idea. stop. Then you can shop this jujitsu sex. Yeah, and also think about all, all the people that said, "Oh yeah, I started jujitsu. I wish I would have started sooner." One hundred percent. I'm one of those That's, people, by oh, the way. I'm, I am too. Yeah. I wish I was born on the mats of justice. <laughs> I'm sure that that would have been great, Jocko. How about that shirt locker, dude? Shirt locker. Yeah. Okay. You know, you're always excited about your little designs yes. and you say they're, yes. you give these, you try and explain them, you say they're more creative or they're more they layers. Are. You just say yeah. weird stuff about yeah. them. You don't know how to describe them. Okay. Your limited vocabulary okay. trips you up right there, jams yes, you up as yes, you sir. like to say. <laughs> so I was at Jocko Live last night mm-hmm. and I see a guy's walking up to me and he's got a shirt that looks freaking legit. It's got like a metallic tank writing on the top and it says discipline and then there's an actual tank with the barrel pointed at the at you as you look at the shirt and as he gets closer it's a comic book cover and i'm on it some cartoon version of me riding a tank <laughs> and it's a t-shirt so that's the first one that i've said yeah well you know kind of dope no, not the first one that's been yeah, kind of dope. It's, it's, it's the most it's the most differentiated from your standard Jocko store yeah. shirts. It's the most differentiated one. Yeah, it there was kind go. of a curveball stylistically. Mm. It was good though. Yeah. I think it landed very well. Oh, it did. It says Defcore to the core. Yes, on it the does. top. <laughs> oh yeah. So I learned something new recently. Somebody was talking about the shirt locker subscription, and I I, I know a. a good amount of people they're like man that'd be awesome like i just have too many shirts i got and i'm like i get it trust me i get it well recently i heard a common friend of ours i'm not i don't know put his name on blast in the podcast but he was like i have way too many shirts i don't need it he's like but i do the shirt locker just to support echo (laughs) and what he does is (laughs) he gets all these shirts he wears them for a little bit and then he just gives them out as gifts to people and people are like super stoked about it And so if you have, if you're thinking, if you're like, hey, I have too many shirts, I don't need the shirt locker, get the shirt locker. And just get your re-gift on. And this guy loves it. He goes, he gets so much fulfillment out of just being able to give out the shirts to different people or someone's like, hey, I like that shirt. He'd be like, cool. And he gives it to them. There you go. There you go. See the shirt locker, gonna pay you twice. Gonna pay you, gonna get a cool t-shirt. It's gonna pay you when you give it away to your friend (laughs) because they liked it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I mean, it, it depends on your lifestyle. I don't feel like, I have too many t-shirts because of the shirt locker because all of them that come in are in the rotation. Granted, I'm a little bit biased mm-hmm. because I'm, I probably won't make one that I wouldn't wear. Maybe I would, I would hope I not. Don't, I don't think so. That would be kind of whack. Yeah. Yeah. 
That doesn't make sense to do that. Yeah. yeah, but you know how like you just you know how some people they'll anticipate, oh yeah, or they get a lot of recommendations for okay. something, I, and you'd be like, oh, I, I, it's a good idea. I don't know if I would necessarily wear that, but it's like, hey, but hey, the proof is in the pudding. Everybody's saying this, and it's actually got technically. It. I got it. I, I see. I see you now. It is now. Hey, You're no, just over I, there at the whim of the people, uh, kind of chasing the glory. Like, oh, everyone else likes it, so I'm just gonna no, do it. That's I'm, where we're at. No, I just I call, figured it out. I Look call at you. it. I call it listening to my people. That's what I call it. Should I not listen to them? Look at you. Maybe maybe I have. I have all the good Sell ideas. Out. I don't want to listen to nobody. Got it. You're a politician. Got it. From so, there, so, politician. so if there was a demand for you V-neck, would you, go, on would, you go v- <laughs> would you go V-neck route then? Uh, in the words of both you guys, by the way, uh, if there was a demand signal for V-necks, then yeah, I might consider it. Sure. Anyway, Shirt Locker is on JockoStore.com. Hey, if that's for you, we have some developments in that um, section, by the way. Uh, So if you're a current member, we're going to have some upgrades and some updates for you. Any moment now. JockoStore.com. Subscribe to this podcast, wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Check out the Unraveling Podcast with Daryl Cooper, D.C. Grounded Podcast, Warrior Kid Podcast. I got Jocko live last night. Kids, children, put me on the spot. Yeah, so I have one question for you, Mr. Willink. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, what's up, son? How can I help you? When is the next Warrior Kid podcast coming out? Because it's been 14 months. <laughs> next question from a kid. Hi, Uncle Jake. I'd like to ask you a question. Oh, what's your question, young man? How can I help you? Uh, I-, I was wondering when the next Warrior Kid podcast is coming out. I'm sorry, man. Uh, also, JockoUnderground.com. If you want to hear some alternative podcasts, some uh, some alternative information, life advice. By the way, life advice Q and A. Yeah, hitting a lot of Q and A in there. You can go to JockoUnderground.com. Now, here's what we've been talking about. Why do we do that? Well, because we don't control the platforms. We don't know what the platforms are going to do. The platforms, big tech. Wh- what do we? Okay, well, whatever. What could possibly I be doing that would make someone say, hey, you know what, we need to pull this guy, pull the reins in on this Jocko guy. I don't know, but I got freaking straight up shadow banned. Bruh, Legit shadow ridiculous. banned. Yeah, I was going to text you because on one of your, po- well, the video that, you know, that we did yeah. with, the, yeah, yeah, with yeah. Travis Mill and stuff, oh, yeah, and yeah. you posted it, so I'm like, oh, yeah, you know. It's fun to see people's reaction to that kind of stuff. And, man, it was getting no traction, no traction. on yours. I was like, bro, this doesn't. And then you had that other one that you were kind of posting, like, stuff, right? Like um, the video of your screen. Yeah, whatever, yeah, the right? video that someone sent me of my screen mm-hmm. not seeing me. Right. Not, yep. We got shadow I was like, banned. Bro, huh? you got straight up shadow banned. Shadow banned That's, for what? I, I actually don't know. I actually am not one hundred percent sure. I have some su- suspicions. Yeah. I have some things that I think it could be. Um. Yeah, I've spoken out about some situations that are unfolding on Instagram, uh, on podcasts, on my podcast, on other podcasts, and. That's weird though, right? Yeah. Where someone. It makes me so mad. I was in Colorado and I told you this right before the muster. I was there working with a client, um, was out and about, met this uh, family. There's like little kids. Anyway, I started talking to them. I was like, hey, you should check out my boss. Um, he's got these kids for, uh, he's got these books for kids called The Warrior Kid. And the mom was like, I'm a teacher. This would be phenomenal. And so the, the, the dad was like, well, what's his name? I'm like, Jocko Willink. He's like, okay. And which, it's funny. Anytime I say your name and somebody doesn't know you, it bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> I know, 
And I'm like, how do you, what are you, what are you talking about? You don't know. And then I have to be like, go, okay, not yet. Everyone doesn't know him yet, but they will. And so I was like, hey, let me see your phone. I was like, you have Instagram? I'm like, open it up. He's like, all right. Because I don't want to do like, hey, look him up later. Yeah, yeah. They'll forget. Yeah. So I now this is my default. is like, hey, open up your phone. And they're like, okay. Open up your Instagram. Okay. And, and I'm like, oh, let me see it real quick. I just take it and I start typing in. I'm like, what the heck? He's like, is that him? I'm like, no, that's a meme page about him. He goes, he has a meme page about him? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so we start going through. He's like, he has a quote page too. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I had to type your name fully for yeah. you to show up. And yeah. then I clicked on it. And then I immediately was like, and I was like, "Hey, you're following him now because I followed you." <laughs> Gave him back to him. And the guy's like, "Why would? Why is this?" Stuff? I'm like, "Yep." Like he's being shadow banned. It's crazy. So he starts like looking through all your stuff, and he's like, "Why would he be shadow banned?" I'm like, "Because he speaks the truth." It's so freaking Which crazy. It's crazy that that's that's a dangerous thing is to speak the truth these days. It is very disturbing. It is very very disturbing. And to that degree where they can, where someone, and I'm totally just speculating, but they'll hear you say something that they didn't like, like somewhere else. And then be like, let mm -hmm. me go to his Instagram and shadow. It really there. makes me start to think about all the level of interconnectivity between some of these elements out there oh, yeah. in its, cause it is very strange. Now look. Could it be like, oh, I was, you know, someone mentioned me or something, there's some fault, and, and they got an algorithm that runs, and it's like, oh, yeah, this guy, boom, and he got, uh, and then they went, of like, yeah, we shouldn't have, we shouldn't have done that now. Because apparently, I think I might be unshadow banned right now. I think so, I too. think. Yeah. I'm I, not sure. Though. I went on, on Sarah's phone and looked for you, and you popped right up. Okay. But I think she's following But she you. follows him. Yeah. So that's, it, yeah. That's not um, well, hey, because deep. of all this, what, what, JP? I was going to say, you it's just even more confirmation that you know you're doing the right thing. We're doing the right thing. Dogs don't bark at parked cars. <laughs> True. You know? So. Because of this, we, we and we figured this out, what was it, a year ago, we started JockoUnderground.com because I knew we needed a contingency plan in case things went sideways. We could get taken off of every platform. That could happen. And so if you want to support us, go to jockounderground.com. It's $8.18 a month. That allows us to have this platform that if things go sideways, we will be standing by in the underground to do what we got to do. If you can't afford it, it's all good. We still want you on the team. Email assistance at jockounderground.com. And it, for like a reward or an appreciation, we do another little podcast and talk about some alternative subjects. And you know what? Well, you know what I'll do is I'll, I'll – on that, I will do a, a, a one about why I think I got shadow banned. Oh, I'll yeah. give all the details because I, I'm pretty confident I have. I, I, I'm pretty sure I know why. Mm, interesting. Um, throwing this out here, I don't need to sleep tonight. We can do it tonight if you want. Let's <laughs> go. <laughs> uh, YouTube channel, subscribe to that. Official. Yep, it's official. Or whatever. <laughs> can see what JP looks like. You can see his Jiu-Jitsu is Life t-shirt. You can see my t-shirt. I only only wear the same t-shirt a lot. lot. Yeah, time, that's kind of what I do. Um, Origin USA has a cool YouTube channel as well. We have Psychological Warfare. I made a little album. You can listen to it. If you have a moment of weakness, you can overcome that moment of weakness. Flipside Canvas, speaking of Dakota Meyer, not only does he have a distribution company, he guy. also has Flipside Canvas. You can hang cool stuff on your wall. Dakota Meyer freaking one of my heroes got okay. a bunch of books final spin jp jp Denell. <laughs> come on jp what up what so happened? jp Denell, you read <laughs> you got on the plane and you read final spin how'd that work out for you hobie 
Okay. A little, this is what I love about you. Yeah. Right? People don't understand yeah. this. A little behind the scenes, JP and I, we can both, we, we are both, we, we can both, we can both get emotional at certain things. Yeah. And it's funny to watch each other get emotional and we make fun of each other for getting emotional, laugh at each other. Literally, I was at the last muster. I'm I'm sitting backstage watching JP get choked up, and, and I'm laughing. And I'm just preparing. Yeah, and yeah, he's just preparing. So I'm like, okay. So, anyways, as soon as he he, he gives walked into it, he said, "Yeah, I read the book on the plane," and I saw the look on his face. I was like, oh, it hit him, <laughs> it hit him, because it's a rough book to read emotionally. Yeah, it's an it, emotional roller coaster. It, it, it's awesome. So we got the copy of the fi- of final spin. At the muster, so we're leaving Vegas. Amanda, Amanda had the copy. I ordered ten, like when they first came out, um, and I knew so I had some coming, and so I, I I stole it from her. Like I took a picture, put it on Instagram. She's like, "Give me my book back." I'm like, "Let me read it for a little bit." She's like, "Okay." So I start reading. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is legit." She like takes the book back. She she finished. She's reading on the flight. Um, and then I'm gone for FTXs, come back, the books are there, I grab it, and I read it in two or three days. I just, I could not put it down. And I didn't want to read it at night because I knew, like, when I would read it at night, I was I was not going to sleep because I was just like, no, one more chapter, one more, one more. And um, today, you know, flying out here, I'm finishing up my packing and I, I grab it, and it irritated me because I knew I was going to finish it before I took off. Um but I needed to finish the book, but I was like, oh, I'm going to finish it. I'm just carrying another book for a week on the road again. And I have my other book that I'm going to be reading um, or finishing it off. But yeah, it was awesome. Like I was just like sitting there and I'm very front of the plane. Everyone's coming on board and I have tears rolling down my face as I'm like reading the book. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Now, if anybody knows me well, it's not a surprise. Like, you know, I'm an emotional person. You know, one of my real close friends is, was one of my black belt, or is one of my black belts still Matt Waltman and he he just knows he's like bro he's like I know when you're gonna get emotional if he listens to a podcast I'm on he's like yep and then I'll get emotional just if you know me well you know that I'm an emotional person and I it used to bother me I don't care anymore because I'm like well that's the way God designed <laughs> me yeah it's the way God designed <laughs> me it's part of who I am but yeah final spin that was awesome sitting on the plane tears rolling down my face I'm like you gotta be kidding me because. I think, and I'd like to talk to more people about it, but I truly think every human that reads that book will be able to relate to all of the characters. I don't care what your background is. 100%. I don't care what your background is. You are going to find a relationship to every one of the characters. Everyone. Like the store manager, I Mm. wanted to beat that guy up (laughs) because I've had some of those bosses in the past, right? 100%. Artie, man, that kid. You know, um, damn it. <laughs> just, just everything, you know, and just what the main character did for his brother. Yeah, it's just a phenomenal book. And I, I, I truly, I would put a large amount of money down and say, if you read the book, you'll be able to relate to every one of those characters. And I'm not going to. Not gonna give it away. You yeah, gotta read it because it's ridiculous. But I will say, like, just that style, that the style that you wrote, like, I'm looking forward to more books <laughs> in that. And if not, then you're the biggest jerk ever. <laughs> Put that out there and then not have more books coming down the pipeline. 
Check. Right on. Uh, appreciate it. That book is called Final Spin. It's an emotional roller coaster. You, you, you don't even expect it, really, at some points, and all of a sudden you're like, wait, wait, what? why am I getting choked up right now? Yeah. So I wanted to say this quote earlier, and I didn't find the right time, but I think it ties into th- this book, th- like the principle of the book. You said this at one of the last FTXs, FTX002, that we had in San Diego. And I wrote it down, and I know I, I shared it at the muster part of my talk, but you said, when you transition from loving winning to loving your team winning more than you winning yourself, you transition into a true leader. And that's sacrifice. If, if when you're willing to put the team above yourself, the mission above yourself, that's when you become a, a true leader. And you, you ask this question, and we ask it now at all the FTXs, what do you think makes a good team guy? And everybody, all the answers are great. They're just not the right answer. It's when you put the team first and the mission first. That's what makes you a good team guy. And that's not just for the SEAL teams. Company XYZ, when you and your employees put the team first and the mission first, that's what makes you a good leader. And you don't have to have a title to be a leader. We've said this, your title doesn't make you a leader. Your ability to influence those around you, to do the right thing, to believe in themselves, to believe in the mission, that's what makes you a leader. And I've, I love this quote. I've written it in all of my notebooks that I have just as a reminder, as well as discipline is rooted in the truth that we tell ourselves that you told me. And I just, it reminds me, I think that's also why I got emotional reading that book is because he was willing to do what he did for his brother. And that's what good leaders do. Like they, they are willing to put the team and the mission above themselves at all costs. Now, what he did in the book is obviously part of the book to, but the base of that is Mm -hmm. he, it wasn't about him. It was not about him. And when we look at the good companies that we work with, the leaders that care more about the team than themselves, I remember I called you, I sat and had dinner with Denver before we ran the FTX. And I, he was sitting there and he was emotional and he was talking about how much he loves and cares about his team. And it was real, it, you know, and we've worked with companies where you knew they were kind of full of it. They were trying to put on the game. I mean, he, he pulled out like index card that he has notes on for our talk and just the, the level of impact that the training had on him and how much he cared about his team. I remember I, I texted you and, and, and life afterwards and I called you cause just the burden of that. And you're like, Hey bro, you're going to deliver the training that he needs. And that's all. I was like, check, Roger that. And it just, it's cool. Just when you see leaders truly care about their team and they put the mission first, what they're able to accomplish. That's it, man. Um, Final spin. A lot of those themes in there. One of my friends texted me and said, this is a great piece of American literature. <laughs> and I said, thanks, man. Appreciate it. That's a bold statement, right? Bold, a bold statement. Uh, final spin. Leadership strategy and tactics. Field manual. The code, the discipline, the code, the evaluation, the protocol, discipline, freedom, field manual. Way of the Warrior Kid, one, two, three, and four. Best books ever, apparently. That's what a lot of people are thinking. Adults, children, across the board. Mikey and the Dragons, come on. 
come on. About Face by Hackworth. Extreme ownership and the dichotomy of leadership that I wrote with my brother Leif Babin. We also have, well, we'll be talking about a bunch today. If, you, if you're interested in, in the FTX or any of the consultancy that we do, go to echelonfront.com. You can also find out where we're doing the next muster, which is Dallas, Texas, March 24th and 25th. We also have an online training program, Extreme Ownership Academy. We are on there all the time. We got courses that you can take. We got live interaction that you can do. You can come ask us, ask us questions. There's so much benefit. It's a, it's a leadership gym. You don't get good at leadership by reading one book. It doesn't happen. Just like you don't get good at jujitsu by going to one class. You got to make it part of your life. Go to extremeownership.com to make leadership part of your life. And if you want to help service members, active and retired, their families, gold star families, check out Mark Lee's mom, Mama Lee. She's got a charity organization. She is really helping out veterans, just giving them treatments. You've had those treatments. Yeah. Hyperbaric chamber. Game changer. It was an absolute game changer. My body was in a medical state that the doctors literally were like, we don't know what's going on. I'll tell you what's going on. You were drinking nine monsters a day for three years. (laughs) Yeah, no more like 10 years straight. But it was, I was having, well, I was having kidney and adrenal gland failure. And we just, like, when you're going to doctors and they're like, hey, we don't know this. This is what we know is going on, but we don't know what to do. We don't know how to stop. We don't know what's causing it. And then COVID hit and I hit up Mama Lee because she was like, hey, you need to get in these treatments for your TBIs. And I'm like, okay, yeah, because, you know, I have real bad tinnitus and, um, you know, just issues with just remembering stuff and headaches and and stuff like that and problems sleeping. And she would just been trying to get me into the treatment. Oh, I couldn't because I couldn't commit to the treatments that I had to do because of how busy we were. Well, COVID hit and I was able to do it. And I did all the treatments. All those issues were gone. Yeah. Like they're gone and they haven't come back. And we, I know of other team guys that had masses growing in their in their head, pituitary gland, like cancerous types of masses that they didn't really know what was going on. Go and get the treatments, and they're gone. Yeah. Like just, it's incredible what those treatments do. And actually, to the point that one of our clients at Echelon Front, that's a part of Dave's LDAP program that we did an FTX for. One of the guys was like, hey, what's a good charity that we can donate to? And I told him, America's Mighty Warriors, this is what they're doing. Well, one of these team members was so motivated because I told him what happened to me. Other members, like Cowie, who's on our team, like mm-hmm. he went and got those treatments. He said it's been a game changer, game changer. night and day. Um, and every everybody I've listened to, it's not just for team guys. We're talking just any service member that has problems, we're getting them in there. Well, this member of the client, that we that we work with ran up the chain of command and now their company is doing a thing to where they 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 produce trailers like heavy haul trailers Mm -hmm. for the trucking industry they designed a uh america's mighty warrior trailer where it has the logo on the trailer on the back everything and they're donating i'm not gonna say the amount but for every trailer they're donating a large amount to the foundation and their goal is they want to be able to pay for i want to say it was like five or seven treatments through Amazing. I mean, it's it's incredible and she's only able to do this through companies and individuals that donate yeah it's it's in, it's insane if what you is. ever wonder what happens with money that you donate to a charity and if it's effective it this is 100 percent. this is what's happening medical treatments that are that are game changers for veterans so that is america America's Mighty Warriors.org. This is Mark Lee's mom, Mama Lee. That's where you can go to, to help out with that. Um, 
if you want any more of my tedious tirades or you need any more of Echo's perplexed ponderings or you want some more of JP's hyped up hypothesis. That's accurate. Then you can find us on the interwebs, on Twitter, on the gram, Facebook. JP is at JP Dinell. Echo is at Echo Charles. I am at Jocko Willink. Echo, any closing thoughts? Good to see JP in person again. It's always good to be here. JP, anything to close it out? No, I said what I wanted to say. Right on. All right. Well, speaking of military personnel, to all the military personnel out there around the world, staring evil in the eyes in order to keep us safe. Thank you for doing what you do. And to our police and law enforcement, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, dispatchers, correctional officers, border patrol, secret service, and all first responders, thank you for protecting us from evil here at home. And everyone else out there, remember, there's always more to learn. There's always new information to absorb. You can always hone your skills. You can always improve your technique. You can always increase your knowledge. And you can always, always get better. Well, actually, almost always. Because if you close your mind and your ego says that you already know it at all, well, then guess what? You won't learn, you won't improve, and ultimately, you won't get better and you won't win. So put your ego in check. Go out there. Keep learning. Keep getting better. And yes, keep getting after it. And until next time, this is JP and Echo and Jocko. Out.